Hello and welcome to the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. We are now in the second week of May, and that means there's a lot to talk about. NASCAR went to Kansas this weekend and put on a throwback-type show that would make both Darlington and North Wilkesboro jealous. Formula One held its second Miami Grand Prix, but it, it appears that the honeymoon phase between F1 and North America might be coming to an end after another boring race, or say so, some of the detractors. Formula E, however, once again held a Monaco event worthy of the prestige that comes from racing in the Principality. Now, we've got all of that and more, including talking about the fight, the big fight. And no, we're not talking about the boxing match that I got a notification from ESPN about at some ungodly hour. Didn't care about the event, but I can tell you about this event that we you'll, you'll want to talk about it. So let's go ahead and uh, jump right on in to some of the news because we've got a big show going for us today. We've got a big upshift downshift segment this week. It's going to be lots of controversial topics and I think we're going to be uh, excited to share them with you. So let's jump right on in to Rob's racing report after Josh, why don't you go ahead and say hi to everybody so that they know that you're still part of the show. <laughs> I, I think I'm still part of the show. Hello? Can, can you hear me? Hello? Tap, tap, tap. Yes, you are still part of the show. Just okay. my intro style, you know. Remember, everybody, I think people by, by now know that you're in Charlotte and I'm in Indianapolis, but still nice to say it in the intro, and sometimes you don't need to. But anyway, going on into uh, Rob's Racing Report, and we're going to start off with Formula One news because we've got some interesting Formula One news. Uh, Michael Andretti shared this week that if Andretti Global enters Formula One, the team would set up a European-based factory and would enter teams in both Formula 3 and Formula 2 to establish a a similar development ladder to the one he uses in IndyCar with the Road to Indy program. So this would be very interesting to see. Um, And I would actually applaud it, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. I 100% applaud it. Any opportunity, you know, I would hope that it would provide a stepping stone for more American drivers to get into Formula One and diversify it from that regard. But nonetheless... Maybe there's even more American drivers in the Formula Feeder Series, too. Yeah, I mean, there's... Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's there's a couple. There's a couple in F2 and F3 right now. Um, Not really many that are super notable outside of maybe Zach Crawford. Uh... More notable American drivers. <laughs> Jack Crawford. Jack Crawford. That's his name. Sorry, I called him yeah, Zach. I yeah. think I was confusing him with someone else. Sorry, Jack Crawford. It's but it, that shows how long I've watched feeder series, and I feel bad about it. I need to get caught back up, but you know, I was so into them during COVID because they were like the only some of the only sports on at a time, and I kept getting into them. And now I'm like not keeping up with them as much because I'm not staying up as late or getting up as early or whatever. Anyway, uh, we've got uh, some news from the Miami Grand Prix to talk about because this was pretty interesting. There was a lot of American yeah. media down in Miami, and they were a- asking Lewis Hamilton some questions. And uh, he said this past week that racing in – now, Josh, you said IndyCar, but I also read that even NASCAR was c- in c- considered. Uh, that Lewis Hamilton said both racing in NASCAR and IndyCar – uh, interests him, but he said he doesn't see it happening anytime soon because he's not yet ready to retire from Formula One. But it is very interesting to hear him both give express interest in 
in expanding and branching out into right. different forms of motorsports. I think that would be great. Lewis Hamilton is arguably one of the biggest names in all of sport. Regardless, I mean, I mean, he is on the level of like Leo Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, and and if I as for a cricket reference, Virat Kohli. You know, I mean, Kane Williamson. There's another cricket reference for you. I mean, he is huge internationally. And in, and in the United States, I, it would just be amazing if he uh, was able to come over here in, in in North America and bring that star power. I mean, that would just be awesome, right? Absolutely. I think I think I wonder if he's uh, um, seen. If he's seen, especially with the IndyCar side, some of his his former competitors like just having fun over there. Obviously, he's seen it's a more relaxed environment. And maybe I would say more welcoming to just new faces, and, and yeah. so I, I think I, I wonder. I don't see him running the five hundred, but I think it'd be cool to see him run St. Pete or Long Beach or maybe Indy the the Indy GP or Road, Road America. America. Yeah, I love how we were thinking at the same time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think there's actually I, I think there's been a lot of drivers talk or Formula One drivers talk about how much they want to race at Road America. Oh yeah, um, if Road America, could you imagine if Formula uh, Road America? Don't want to go into a huge thing because we do have a lot to talk about. But if Road America had a proper paddock and it was F one or FIA Grade One, it wouldn't be as good if it was Grade One. Oh, I know it wouldn't be. be as good. Good. I, I, it would take away from the, but the layout it would take away from the from the aesthetics and the picturesque view of the place. But if you if you took that track, like, okay, I want to take a duplicate of Road America and I'm going to stick it in... I don't know where. Um, Palm Springs. I think that'd be cool to see. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to this next piece of news. Again, kept it keeping up with the Miami Grand Prix theme here miami grand prix organizers confirmed over the weekend that they are also looking into the potential of making the race a night race mm -hmm. a night race so we're, they they want two night races in the united states now absolutely crazy Ugh, what is going on all right i'm not going to talk about that i'm going to move on to srx uh we're going to talk about uh, some more srx news because we got the you know a lot more srx drivers being announced and uh good old matt kenseth Matt Kenseth is going to drive an SRX car at Eldora. Eldora Speedway. That's going to be really cool. Uh, now for some IMSA news. IMSA news today. Uh, Juan Pablo Montoya will join Rick Ware Racing's number 51 LMP2 car at Laguna Seca, Road America, and Indianapolis. So it'll be really cool to see JPM. Uh, this Actually, this upcoming week, weekend at Laguna Seca, this Sunday, he'll be there. He'll be in the Rick Ware LMP2 car, and then he'll get to, I'll get to see him probably at Indianapolis. Yeah. So that'll be really neat. Um, another piece of IMSA news here. This is, this got a lot of jokes on social media, uh, <laughs> but I think it's time. I think it was time for this. IMSA announced that the LMP3 class will be eliminated following the conclusion of the season. I mean, uh, and it's about thing. time. <laughs> yeah, it's about time. The class served very little purpose, and if you watched, if you've seen any of the most recent IMSA races with LMP3 cars, 
the leader wins by like five laps, and then the other two or three cars are usually fifteen to twenty-five laps down, and it's bad. Yeah. It's very bad. It doesn't need to be exist. And there's dentists hitting other drivers, hitting professional race cars, and that, you know, come on, we don't need that. We Jack Miller is retired. We don't need that anymore. We we don't need Jack Miller has remembered that he's a better dentist than he is a race car driver which by the way i say this out of love for jack miller uh and i will say go see he's still a practicing dentist in carmel so if you're in carmel indiana or in the northern part of the indianapolis area you can go get your uh teeth fixed or worked on or checked up cleaned whatever by a former indianapolis 500 driver not never forget that say that no, and uh, I hope that uh, the dentist, I can't even remember their name, who crashed into one of the main prototypes at Sebring, I, want, I hope that maybe they're going to be working on... Could you imagine them working at, on their dental patient, making small talk, and being like, yeah, I got in a wreck this weekend, car crash this weekend. Oh, no, how'd you do, how'd you do that? And he goes, oh, you know, I was just coming up on a on a slower car and i wasn't paying attention and i crashed right into him and oh man how much out are you out well not much the team pays for most of it and i get to keep a little bit of the purse but i paid for the ride and <laughs> yeah this, you're like what no. yeah this is going on too long um yeah. but lmp3 do we say rest in peace or do we do we do the pack yeah, watch I, rip bozo i don't know <laughs> i think say good riddance good riddance good riddance all right, uh, some controversial news. Supercars from out of the world from out, down under in supercars. Supercars reportedly wants to become the support act for the F1 Singapore Grand Prix. This is according to Speed Cafe. Uh, but due to the way the two calendars are structured, being when the Singapore Grand Prix takes place and when the event, the Sandown 500, the big enduro before the Bathurst 1000, um... Due to the way that those fall uh, on the calendar would mean that Supercars is willing to scrap the Sandown 500, as even if it as long as they are the support series for F1. We'll talk about this more later in the upshift and downshift segment, but I just want everybody to mellow out on that for a minute or get very riled up because we're going to have a lot to talk about regarding that. Because if you are a Supercars fan, this you know why this is controversial. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, let's move on into some NASCAR news. Uh, fresh off being named one of the NASCAR's 35 greatest drivers, we said, hello, Newman, again, after Rick Ware Racing announced that the Rocket Man, Ryan Newman, will drive for his team and select races in 2023. His first race will actually be this weekend at Darlington for the Goodyear 400. Uh, I've also read some interesting things from Ryan Newman talking about the next-gen car, and it seems like he's going to be in for a rude awakening in, on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. He's gonna yeah. have some fun. He's gonna yeah, have some fun, let's say that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll move on into here. Uh, hey, how about this? Uh, Ross Chastain, Ross the Boss Chastain, who just, uh, you know, is... Probably going to be uh, getting calls from Dana White of the UFC here in a little bit. Uh, and his, te his teammate Daniel Suarez have entered the Cars Tour late model stock race on Wednesday, May 17th, 
as, uh, at North Wilkesboro Speedway as the warm-up to the All-Star Race. So they'll be getting some extra Black extra time. work uh, in there. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Every, everybody's looking for extra track time. I mean, we've got people running, you know, the the Truck Series race. Uh, yep. We've got people now in the late model race before. I mean, they're looking for any advantage they can get, these drivers. They want uh, and to win that all-star race at Wilkesboro, man. No, I know, I know. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a banger. I mean, these next couple of weeks for NASCAR. I mean, it's the month of May for IndyCar. Don't get me wrong. The and May it's, for NASCAR actually could be like the best month of the entire season. We are so lucky as NASCAR fans right now for what because uh, if you watch the race at Kansas, because we're gonna talk about the race at Kansas here later on. But if you watch the race at Kansas, you know that why I said in the intro how much of a throwback race it will it's gonna be. Uh, and the next couple of races are going to be very tough on tires. Mm-hmm. And then the Coke 600, we've seen what this mile-and-a-half package can produce out of this next-gen car, and it's entertaining, and it, we love it. And I, no complaints whatsoever. I love what we're about to see this later this month. But I did want to add a little note here of news to kind of bring things back. Uh, due to his injury, Alex Bowman uh, won't be in the Spire truck uh, for, at North Wilkesboro. He was going to run the truck race at North Wilkesboro right. in the Spire truck. Uh, he's obviously not going to run that because he's still going to be recovering. Um, but Spire, as of the recording of this, as of Monday night, as of Monday night, Spire has not yet announced a replacement driver. But I expect by next week we should probably know who will be in that truck. I mean, Chase, right? Whoever is a Chevrolet driver that needs the experience. Oh, why not get Josh? Put Josh Berry in a truck. He's the super sub, man. Yeah. Well, hey, I maybe I you're, but it'll probably be a Hendrick driver. Let's be honest. It'll probably be like Kyle Larson or something. Yeah. Because Willie B. Willie B. is driving for KBM. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it it'll be either be Chase or Kyle Larson, probably. Right. I mean, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Um. Uh, we got uh, more news. We got the uh, speaking of you know rotating truck series trucks that have rotating drivers. Uh, the one truck, which by the way was driven quite well by Tony Bridinger this past weekend, it was uh, quite well actually. She avoided a lot of accidents and had really good pace. It was very, very big weekend for female drivers. Before I get off pace, uh, Mandy Chick had a great race. We've talked about Mandy Chick after the Talladega race. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted big big shout out to her just in general for just being amazing on social media and being funny. Um, also, like I said, I think I mentioned that she's a Rose Holman student, so she's a yep. fighting engineer. I'm not kidding you. That is what Rose Holman, that is what their 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 mascot is. They are fighting engineers. Well, actually, their mascot is an elephant, a cooler elephant than the Alabama elephant. I say that as a Hoosier, sorry. Um, I say Sweet Home Indiana instead of Sweet Home Alabama. That's Anyway, um, yeah, shout out to Mandy Chick. A lot of very impressive runs by uh, by the by women um, this week's Haley Deegan as well. Didn't want to leave her out. Haley Deegan as well. Tony Bridinger, Mandy Chick, all had great weekends this week. So that was really cool. Uh, but driving for a Tricon in that number one truck next week, this weekend, excuse me, at Darlington will be Bubba Wallace. So old Bubba's coming back to the truck series. I'm kind of excited to see that. Uh, that will be really cool to see. Um, especially at Darlington uh, in the Tricon truck. Uh, and then speaking, at Tricon's a Toyota team. 
So this is a perfect way to segue. And I don't know, maybe Josh, you wrote this this way, but good job on you. Because uh, more on this later in the show. We will talk about this more in the later in the show. But this was big. This was a big, big news story that is driving a lot of people up a wall right now. And it is that Legacy Motor Club will switch from Chevrolet to Toyota in 2024, bringing the amount of Toyota full-time teams in the Cup Series to eight. Eight cars will be Toyotas, full-time Toyotas next year. And Noah Gregson and Eric Jones will both move back to the Toyota family after yep. having been in the Chevrolet family for the past couple of years. Yep. Noah longer so than, than Eric. but And Noah, you know, he's he's also going to be getting a call from Dana White, I think. I think uh, we're going to have, at some yeah. of the, one of these events, I think we're going to have a UFC octagon set up. You know, I think that's what's, what we're going to have to do, at the very least. Or... Or we could always just—I mean, NASCAR and in, 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 in UFC is are missing an opportunity here not to have some sort of combination event like the night before the Coca Cola Six Hundred at Charlotte or or Chicago for crying out loud street course set up an octagon there in the middle of Grant Park. Sorry, Chicago, not to piss you off anymore. Um, or why the heck not? You know, Miami with Homestead. I mean, just just ideas here. I'm just spurting out ideas. I actually have an idea. Yeah, uh, we don't even need to get the UFC involved at all because Dana White beat his wife, and I don't like them that for that reason. But anyway, uh, I will say what what we should do, what we should do, and as a wrestling fan, I think during the All Star race, since both Fox and NBC broadcast the WWE, it you know NBC has Raw and NXT, and Fox has SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should just have a giant fun wrestling match. In the middle. I mean, it could just be a, a normal wrestling match, totally staged, but, you know, they're they're trying their best. And it's just funny because they're not that great of wrestlers. So it's just kind of funny to watch them try. It'll be just like when Spencer Gallagher and John West Townley yeah. did their thing. Yeah. Yeah. Only this time, there'll be a whole storyline, and Ross will get in the ring and trash talk Noah, and Noah will get in the ring and trash talk Ross, and then they'll fight it over... Well, they'll fight over the fan vote spot in a ladder match. Uh, not even the fan vote spot. That's just the last spot. The last spot is open for the All-Star Race in a ladder match. Ah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to move on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to move on. <laughs> I, I should be working for NASCAR. That's what should... That, I should be working for NASCAR. And, and I should be writing for the WWE. You can't, hey, you can't do any worse than the folks over there at NASCAR. I'll put it that bad. And I, know and I can't do any problem. worse than the modern product that Vince is putting out. So that's true. So you can't Our do it. Time. <laughs> All right. Featured paint scheme time. Featured paint scheme time. We're talking about our favorite because he won this weekend the last time. And I actually saw him win his last race. Uh, favorite Grant Enfinger paint scheme. Man, Grant Enfinger ran one heck of a race at yeah. Kansas this weekend. And won a big one in a big way. First win since he won at IRP, and yep. that was a fun race that I saw again in person. And I was blessed to have seen that truck race, and I will brag about it. And I'm only bragging about it because Josh, you see way more races than I do on an average weekend with your job compared to my job. So I'm, I'm gonna brag. You could brag even more. I don't care. Um, but I just loved watching that race, and now seeing him win again, it was pretty cool because. 
He's just a cool guy. He's just a cool guy. So, Josh, why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, what's your favorite Grant Enfinger paint scheme? I'm going to go to his first NASCAR Truck Series victory scheme that he had. The number 24 Pluck Phones GMS Racing Chevrolet that occurred at Talladega in 2016. I remember watching that race. Um, that was a heck of a finish. Um, I, I, I mean, trucks at Talladega... Whether they should be there or not, I don't know. Um, but they always put on a... They, they, they traditionally have put on a really good show. I mean, the first handful there were just absolute bangers. And, um, I but remember more, them fondly. Say what? I remember them fondly. Oh, yes. So I think uh, I think the trucks um, that day were pretty good. And, and I just like that car, that, the truck that he drove, excuse me. Because it, it was this yellow-blue and white combination... It was the first race for plug phones. Nothing like, hey, we want to sponsor you for the first time and you go out there and win. I mean, does that not make you want to write a three-race check again, you know? Come on, yeah, let's do this. Let's go again. Um, so uh, it looked good. I always thought that car, uh, that truck looked good. Um, and back in the day, GMS Racing really was hitting their stride on paint schemes. Um, they were They were not... There, you were hard pressed to find one that was like this is a bad one, and they they had a couple bad ones there when the the Cody Coughlin Jegs was horrible and and like that the whole that was that was all bad. Um, but uh, yeah, anyways, this one wasn't though. It just flowed really well. The truck looked very clean, and you know it wasn't uh, line based. Very, I would say wavy and curvy. So I I, I liked it a lot. Um, when I decided to do this Grant Infinger featured paint scheme, I'm like, that's the one I got to pick. Um, he's had some good ones there. He had a couple... I like the, always have liked the champion ones, but this one really has just, boom, forefront of my mind. Well, you know, I like the champion ones a lot, and it was really tough to not pick last year's paint scheme. I mean, yeah. it, I think last year's paint scheme was perfect, but, but when we're talking about GMS and Ant Grant Infinger, who, you know, he spent... He got he won his ARCA championship with GMS, and I got to thinking, you know, GMS had some great paint schemes back in the ARCA days. You know, let's take a look at those. And I really remembered, wow, these cars are beautiful. And the number one one that stood out to me from his championship season in 2015 uh, was uh, the... Allegiant Chevrolet, the number 23 Allegiant Chevrolet, because I like the light blue Allegiant schemes. They stand out. They do. They really stand yeah. out. And, and, and I like, even now, I like seeing, it's not petty blue, but it's a blue 43 out there. I mean, I can't be upset about it all that much. Um, so I really liked this one, but I also like this, the, this, the design of this one, because uh, this one has kind of like a the one I'm talking about, at least, um, he ran a couple of different versions of this. There was one that was all blue, but this this one I'm talking about was kind of the main Allegiant paint scheme, uh, and it had this gradient design on the side, um, where it, it 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 blended yellow and orange in mm-hmm. the design on the side, and I really liked that detail because normally, you know, you just see. Uh, they pick one color or maybe one color and maybe it gets a little bit lighter maybe it gets a little bit darker no this took the main colors of allegiant and just strung and, and blended them together in almost the sort of like a bob ross-esque way yeah. uh, that i really liked and appreciated 
Um, so again, I, I liked this paint scheme a lot. I applaud the uh, designer for, of it, and it obviously got a lot of wind time. And I didn't mention this, but it translates beautifully either on a, a car of yesterday or the Gen 6 body. I love it tra translates perfectly to either one. And then not a lot of paint schemes can say that. You know, there's a lot of paint schemes that, it, in, especially in that time, in that ar Arca time, that looked better on one body than they did on the other. And this one was, was one that, quite honestly, just looked good no matter wh wh what body it was on, as long as it was out there. So, All right. Yeah, we're, uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to this big upshift downshift segment and let me tell you something guys you're in for the bulk of the show right here this is the bulk of the show and uh remember remember how this goes if you're a new new listener welcome usually we take a lot longer to get through the news and the feature pain scheme but today we got through it at a relatively decent time so welcome you're probably listening to us because holy cow it, it got to the point for once um this is how you play we're presented with a questions and or statements and josh and i will upshift if we agree with them we will downshift if we disagree with them or we shift it into neutral if we simply are neutral on it that is how it goes sometimes we break the gearbox because we are so so passionate about our feelings and that can happen it too now remember you at home you at home can play along at home now it's not like the price is right play at home game or the jeopardy play at home game but it's it's similar. All you have to do is get on Twitter, use the hashtag Robin Roller, and tell you how you, how you upshift on any given topic that we talk about this week. And if you're a Spotify listener, we'll pick out a topic for you, and you can answer that as our featured question, the Spotify featured question of the week. That's only available for Spotify subscribers, but remember, you can still subscribe on any platform you choose and play along on Twitter however you want. However you want. Remember to... Uh, to tag us in in the post uh, at Robin Roller, spelled just as it sounds, uh, at R Peters thirty three at uh, Roller underscore zero one. That's all you got to do, uh, and that's how you can play along. Um, and if you want to tag us on Instagram, you can do that too. I don't know why you would, but you can. Just wanted to throw that out there because we're on Instagram too. We haven't used updated it in a while, but it's there. It's there for you. So we're gonna start off without further ado with our first upshift downshift question, and that is Supercars is quote-unquote determined to support the Formula One Singapore Grand Prix even at the expense of the Sandown 500. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? Um, you know, you have a lot more to say about this, and um, I'll just kind of give uh, a really short answer. I'm going to downshift this one. I don't think if, if, if Supercars is looking to expand outside of the Oceania area, and, and that being Australia and New Zealand. I think if they're wanting to expand out of that, they need to go a little bit further, um, and they need to go to the United States, where the most equivalent racing that they to a supercar is, is, is stock car racing in the United States. And I, I would say Coda. You know, Coda... Sonoma, I, I, you know, one of these, go to a, a road course that NASCAR goes to and be a, I hate to say a support series, but be a support race that weekend because I don't think NASCAR's going to say, yeah, yeah, you can have Sunday, you know, or they could run a sprint race in the morning. That could be pretty darn cool too. Um, you know before, NASCAR won't run a race before 3 p.m. anyway, so why not? 
why the heck not? Um, so I think so. I think that'd be cool. I, I, I still, I think it'd be cool to have uh, Cup, Supercars, and Xfinity at Coda myself. Um, but yeah, I, I, I downshift. If they're wanting to go outside New Zealand, Australia, Singapore is not the place to go. I agree with you 100% there, Josh, but I'm going to give a little bit more of a detailed take here. Uh, and that simply is we have seen now that uh, F1 and supercars do not mix in a proper way. There are multiple reasons why this is bad. Number one, even when you're taking that way an enduro, I think that's the big thing on everybody's mind. I think if you're a supercars fan, you love the Enduros, you love the mountain, you love the five Sandown race, you love the, you miss the Gold Coast, you love the Gold Coast race. I mean, you want those Enduros to come back. You like the co-drivers. I like the co-drivers. I like seeing international stars come over and do the co-drivers for the Enduros. I like seeing the semi-retired drivers like Windcup and Lowndes, you know, and Garth Tander. These guys come back and run these enduros i enjoy seeing that you know wasn't it it was brock feeney and russell lingo weren't they they were teammates that was like my goodness youngest like a 19 year old and how old however old russell Ingle is now like he's got to be like in his 60s at least maybe 70s i don't know i have to look that up but like that was a thing that happened like i i'm just sitting here like that's cool that's that's what makes the enduros fun and and supercars can't lose those. They can't lose those because they're big events. They're crown jewel events. And they, that's the thing. They're, they're, it would be like NASCAR getting rid of their crown jewel events, which they have done in the past. We've seen how that's backfired. You can't do that. They got rid of the Southern 500, and it was not a popular decision. And it, we were blessed to have it back now. But there's always been already been talk now of how much North Wilkesboro has rebooted an interested in NASCAR, at least in Wilkes County uh, and the surrounding areas. You know, su Supercars doesn't need to get into this. And let's not be, let, let, let's not mince words here. It's bad for the international audience that you're trying to get because you want to know what happens is when you go to these events, you can't, the international audience can't watch the race. Yeah. If you do this, we, we, we've been over this. We have this big problem with the Melbourne 500. It's very clear that supercars are not the priority. Formula One does not care at all about supercars. They don't care at all about that support series. They will kick them off the track if they have to, even if they've only ran four green flag laps. We saw that at Melbourne. We don't want this to happen again, especially at Singapore, which is a much longer track, which means you could probably even get less than four laps in on a really tight window if they have to do something like that. Would, would anybody like to see that? How would that even be classified as a championship event? That that would be That's a farce to me. Yeah. But you're opening yourselves up to this. And I, I do not understand supercars belief that they need to be an F1 support series to go international. You don't. Your biggest international fans watch NASCAR. And 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 that's just a fact. NASCAR and supercars have been intertwined with their fans. You know, as soon as a NASCAR fan watches a supercars race, they think, oh my gosh, this is better than NASCAR. And then as soon as a supercars fan watches a NASCAR race, they think, my God, this is better than supercars. It happens every single time. I can't, it's crazy, the discourse on that. and it's But it's real, and I've seen it for the last 10 years, maybe even going on longer. That is just a fact of how 
the fandom of amongst motorsports is. So, Josh, to your point of bringing them over here to Coda, I wholeheartedly agree. When they're talking about international expansion, that's where they should be. The Austin 400 should make a comeback. And if they want to have to be a support series, NASCAR is the support series they need to be. Is the, excuse me, is the support series they need. I said it again. Is the series they needed to be supporting. Yep. Yep. And in general, in general, I I just don't understand current supercars management's obsession with becoming a sideshow. Why do you not want to be the main event? Especially when you dominate motor racing in the region of Oceania. In Australia, New Zealand, and even in, it could be Singapore, you dominate that kind of area. Why get rid of it to go and just try and go with Formula One? I don't, I mean, it, if, if they were going to maybe Sepang on an independent race weekend, maybe I could support that. I think I would support that then if they want to go into Singapore. But not, not go and, and run the GP on the street course, which, by the way, is an insanely long street course. The race would it just wouldn't make sense if it wasn't an enduro or if it was yeah. anything less than a 400-kilometer race. Right. You you couldn't do it. Why? If unless you're running the two, two hundred kilometer races, it's just going to be too short. It just doesn't make sense. U- ultimately, to get to the main point here, I hundred percent downshift this. I know that there's a lot of p- other people who probably agree with me on this, and but I want to hear everybody else's opinions on this. Even if you are a casual supercars viewer, hardcore diehard, recent fan of supercars, someone who just got into it recently, I want to hear what you have to say about this because this is a big deal. How do you feel about supercars going international? And if we have any Australian fans listening who know this probably better than us Yanks do, you know, tell us, tell me. Tell me your real opinion. I want to hear an actual opinion from somebody who's probably seen a lot more supercars races, probably been to supercars races far more than I have. I want to know that opinion, and, and I want to hear it now. So again, as I said earlier, hashtag Robin Roller. Uh, tweet me, R-P-E-E-T-E-R-S-3-3. Uh, next question. Tony Stewart shared on the Dale Jr. download that SRX is receiving international interest. Do you upshift or downshift that SRX should have an Australian series during the winter months in North America? Go ahead, Josh. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I feel like this would be really... Well, I would rather see them go to Australia myself. So... um. I downshift. I think go to somewhere again. You know, you your your question before here. You know, super supercars they're going to the wrong place. I think SRX just kind of needs to commit to like, hey, we're going to go east, uh, west of the Mississippi all next year. So sorry to those tracks, but there's dirt tracks, there's there's asphalt tracks out there. I think it'd be cool to go inter- international. I mean. And you're worried about the logistics side of t- personnel. You can't really go to Europe during the winter months, right? That's tough. Can't do that. Australia is like that's that's gold, man. 
And it's kind of during the off-season for supercars, kind of, sort of, nah. It, but, it, it essentially is. Usually, yeah. typically, the season doesn't go as long as it has been the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Usually, so, the season's over by, like, October. Yeah. So, November, December, January, SRX in Australia, I think if they're... I think it'd be cool. I think that'd be really, really cool because they could get all the cars prepared or they could just set up shop over there and say, yeah, we're just going to have a shop here and we're going to leave 15, 10, 15 cars here. And you can get a bunch of supercars guys driving at some of these tracks. Give another date, another opportunity for the Australian fans to see racing. And maybe you could get, maybe, this is a stretch, maybe you could get like that Chase Elliott or Brad Keselowski uh, to go over there to Australia for a weekend and race. Not for all six, but I think that'd be kind of cool. That's that. That's where I'm at with it. I think if you're going to expand, you got to go out international for sure. Well, I'm going to agree with this. Uh, I'm going to I'm include New Zealand in the Australian uh, yeah. discussions, though, because there's a lot of New Zealand short uh, dirt tracks. And uh, dirt track racing, sprint car racing, midget racing, especially in New Zealand, is huge. It's a lot. It it's just as it's it's. I would say it's about on par with how big it is here, uh, in terms of like interest to motorsport fans, and that's something that I think SRX can take advantage of because SRX cars can run on dirt. They do run on dirt, uh, and they put on a fine show on dirt. Uh, and I think if there is an opportunity for them to potentially either headline or support one of those major uh, races in New Zealand. Um, that would be rad. I think you would have that opportunity because I think you mentioned some of those big names. I'm fairly certain, if I'm not mistaken, I think Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell do run a couple of races in down under. Every I know day. they have in the past awesome. before COVID. I know they, that yes. Brad Sweet would go over there. Some of these World of Outlaws guys yes. that you know, because that's when they that, that's when they're racing dirt big time over there is yes. during the winter. Or and during that, our winter. Right. And that would be a big draw, I think, you could get. And, 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 and this is the other thing. As we're just talking about, I think this is a great kind of little segue for what we were talking about earlier, too, is I think this is, would then be a great opportunity to maybe, you know, have this SRX event and maybe bring someone from the supercars management in and just have them have, show them in this event and say, hey, look how many people love having an opportunity to see these NASCAR stars. And I yeah. understand SRX is separate, but has there's a lot of people within NASCAR that have interest in SRX. And I'm just saying maybe connections could be made. Maybe what, what would be more likely is, you know, a, a driver from New Zealand or from Australia would be more inclined to come over here and do an SRX thing. but. Yep. I still think I wonder if that would then be, you know, a, a just a, just a simple situation of building connections and marketing and and you know, saying hey, look, look, look how much the Australian fans want to see Kyle Larson. Yep. You know, they came out here to see him in the sprint car and then in the SRX thing. You know, yeah. You know, I think it would be a good idea, especially if we're talking about just because it. I don't know how many like paved short tracks you're gonna find in Australia, but I do know that you're gonna find a decent amount of dirt short tracks. You're gonna find uh, at the very least. You could have. I, again, I don't know. I can't name one. I don't know how big they are, 
but you could probably find two, three dirt tracks over there and plenty of road courses to run these SRX cars on, for sure. The question is, do you want to do the road course or, or do you want to just stick to like what SRX's bread and butter is, which is short track racing? I think you could have, I think you could kind of, I think it'd be a good idea to kind of double dip in both. You know, you could have, you know, paved ovals and dirt tracks over here and dirt tracks and short road courses and that part of the world during the winter because that's more what they're used to. I know you kind of want to introduce a different, but I mean, I, I also wouldn't want to say you got to build them and I wouldn't want to have temporary ones either. If they can, okay, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. How about this? If they can figure out the rev limits, because I, I, I don't know how, how high SRX cars can rev, so I have no idea their top speed or anything, but Maybe they could put it in a chicane. I don't know, but I, I would, I would then say I would, I'd love to see him go to Tasmania and Sim, Simmons Plains, because that is a relatively short uh, road course. I mean, yeah. relatively speaking, it's like it, it's either less than two miles or a little over two miles. Like Sydney's not short. much bigger. Sydney, Sydney Motorsports Park's not too much bigger than that. I don't think either. Well, uh, Sydney has has different layouts. They yeah. can use. There's a bunch of different like club circuit layouts that they yeah. could potentially use. But I'm thinking, like, dude, they, I love. I just love Simmons Plains. I just think it's a, the, know, one of yeah. the greatest road courses in the world. I mean, it it it's it's got two long straightaways, a hairpin turn, and then S's on the front straightaway. Like, what the S's with elevation changes on the front stretch? Like, what is this track? It is amazing, and it's short as all heck. Lap times are, like, done in under a minute. It's like, what? I love this track. Anyway, all right. Well, we, we know our feelings on that. So, again, this is another question for our Australian listeners, hopefully listeners, maybe. Um, what do you think? What do you think about this? What do you think about SRX maybe coming down under? Would you like to see that? Would you be interested if that, if that did end up happening? Uh, so we'll move on to our next question here. With Legacy Motor Club switching to Toyota in 2024, do you upshift or downshift that GMS Racing will switch to Toyota as well? Josh, what do you feel about this? I kind of got to go with yeah. I mean, it'd be kind of weird for Maury Gallagher to have one team with Chevrolet and one team with Toyota, right? I mean, this is first off a huge get for Toyota. Um... And the the one thing that you kind of kind of say is you know definitely Legacy Motor Club is the more important get uh, for them because I mean you look look Chevrolet you were stacked your Hendrick Motorsports top Chevrolet team no way that's getting knocked out Richard Childress Racing and Trackhouse are kind of two and three right so Legacy Motor Club is fighting with Colleague to be number four. Right? So, there's no way they're going to break the top two. You might be three, but Trackhouse is just on a roll right now for Chevrolet and arguably them. And I mean, last year it was Hendrick and Trackhouse leading the Chevrolet camp. So, you were, Legacy Motor Club going to find a different manufacturer, which is basically Toyota? Yeah, absolutely. Easy get. But GMS, where's the value in that for them? Because they have Hallmark Friesen in the truck series. They have... Tricon, you know, I, I, I they got a couple other teams there too. Um, but you know, I think you never know. You never know 
it would take a day. I don't know. I say yes. They're going to upshift. I, I upshift. I think they're going to switch to Toyota too because I it would just be awkward for Mori to have be wearing a Chevrolet patch on Saturday and a Toyota patch on Sunday. You know, I I agree with you on that. I think that's probably what's going to happen. I I just think that there's some contracts in place that they can't really announce it yet. Probably. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but but I mean, no. Let's be honest. I think. Toyota has Toyota has kind of lost um Toyota lost a big de- a big development deal with KBM. Okay, we don't we don't necessarily want to like talk about it, but it, it or we don't want to mention it that as much. We think oh Tricon is like the it's the spiritual successor and it's like yes and no. KBM had a lot more going for it than I think Tricon does. KBM had Kyle Busch driving for them, which meant that there was a a very good chance that Kyle Busch was going to win, or at the very least run up front. Uh, And that meant that, you know, as a result, those other trucks were going to run well. And if Toyota was going to find somebody really good, they could put someone in one of those trucks, and Kyle Busch would just elevate that team. Tricon has not necessarily been that, and they've not been able to do that. And I think with when it comes to when it comes to something like development rides, it's very quantity over quality with 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 racing in that regard because you're going to take any pay driver that give that gives you money, especially a young kid, and you're going to keep the ones that don't tear up cars, and you're going to release the ones that do. Mm-hmm. And you got a lot higher likelihood of bringing those talented drivers up to cup if you have more trucks around you that you can sign to drivers. Um, and, and that's why Chevrolet is so big in that regard, and Ford and Toyota kind of fall behind. Chevrolet has such a dominant stranglehold on the lower divisions that almost everybody runs with them. Right and Ford, I mean, out, what what do they got? They've got their deal with uh with um uh with uh in the, in the trucks. They got Thor Sport, Thor Sport, Thor Sport, and that comes and goes every so often. I think this, uh, that yeah, comes and goes. This, this one is more geared towards Deegan slash Tricon going in there. I, I know. Think it, I but, think there, there's there's a lot of money being exchanged and unexchanged in that but, one. But Ford lost a lot. A lot when Roush pulled out of both the truck and the Xfinity series. Yeah. Roush, a Ford lost a big foothold when it came to developing stars, and that's why you see so, it difficult. I mean, outside of Penske, it's just tough to bring up, like, big names under Ford. They're doing their best with Haley Deegan. That's great. Um, we'll talk about her later on in the show. And I, But, you know, I, I, I'm... I just feel very much like this is inev- this is going to be a good thing. Oh, I kind of yeah. hate it for someone like maybe Grant Enfinger who I think might be tied to Chevrolet. Um he was with Toyota before. Okay, he, he was with Toyota before. Okay, then he'll probably be Force fine. Sport, never mind. Sport was with Toyota. Um, then never mind. Then he'll probably be fine. I couldn't remember if he was or wasn't. But, but you look at Roger Carruth, I think he might be tied to Chevrolet. Uh Daniel Dye, I don't know if he's tied to Chevrolet, but 
I, I, I don't know about those two guys, but yeah, you're looking at, you know, possibly those two guys looking for a ride next year. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's what is going to happen. That's probably why I think they're waiting to to announce this. Yeah, they're you waiting. Should, because... Like Chevrolet going to Rev and saying, "Hey, let's open up another team or two. You know, I think they'll they'll probably they'll probably work with KBM. I think KBM would. Or KBM, KBM probably has like, the resource if they have the money. If they have like the guaranteed sponsorship, they'll find the resources to put oh, together yeah, like sure. a fourth truck. Yeah, well, I mean, they they they've been running three full time trucks for past few years. Yeah, now they're only I, running two. It, yeah, it won't be that big of a problem for them as if, as long as Raja has funding, which it seems like he does. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, uh, I would hate to see something happen to Raja. I mean, he he seems really fast and really quick. Obviously, he's got a lot of learning to do, but I think give him a couple of years. I think he's going to be a mainstay. Um, that's just my opinion based on having watched him so far. I feel the same way about Nick Sanchez. I basically feel about that way about most of the drive for diversity coming up. I yeah. think they, for all the people on Twitter, all the jerks on Twitter, all the first name bunch of numbers who say these people got their, I know I'm going off on a tangent, whatever. I got to say this first before I move on. All those people who say that these people got their rides on because of their skin color or whatever is all BS because all I see is fast race car drivers that got here on merit. It's not like they're running at the back and putting around in top tier equipment, they're actually competing for wins. I mean, against yeah, I veterans. Think, I think Sanchez could have won at Atlanta. And yeah, they all could have won. Raja should have had a top five at Kansas, but learning moments, right? Exactly. Learning they're moments. all learning. Like, I don't. These guys are amazing. I'm, I, I love how great the drivers of the Drive for Diversity class are, are just flying up through here. I think it's great. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's an unrelated response to that. But, Overall, switching back, Legacy Motorsports, yeah, I think GMS is going to go to Toyota, and we're going to see a lot of a lot of silly season dominoes falling here in the next couple of months. All right, next question here. Do you upshift or downshift that part of the blame for NASCAR's viewership losses is the fault of Fox Sports and that bringing a, on a new TV partner like ESPN could reverse these losses? How about this, Josh? How do you feel about this? This could be an interesting topic. Yeah, I kind of got. It's hard not to upshift this, right? It's hard not to. I mean, it seems like more and more there's people talking about how bad the broadcast is. Well, if something's bad to watch, do you continue to watch it? Do you find other ways to find that information, especially when it comes to sports? Like a TV show. No one, this is bad. I'm not going to watch it. The same thing. Here, except for here, you can you can get your information off of Twitter. For the most Look. part, I know there's a lot of people who probably just stream the race through Discord and then provide their own commentary because the product is so bad. Exactly. There you go too. So, yeah, I, I think it's I, I, I it's it's time for a change, Rob. It's time for a change. You know, they don't. I don't, you know, when you hear these quotes, NASCAR is important. Is it? Is it important? Because I don't think you're listening to people. I think you're listening to the people writing your commercial checks, which you absolutely have to, right? They're the ones fitting your bill. That, that Fox is paying this 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 contract. I think they're paying 
4.4 billion or something like that of the 10.6 billion dollars that is in total of this of, of the present TV deal. So you got to find a way to pay for that, right? But you're also not going to have anyone pay for those commercial slots if no one's watching. And Rob, it was it was rough a couple times this week this weekend and it's been rough all year. So I don't know. I mean, it's it it's NASCAR's in a tough position. You can't have your cake and eat it too, but I feel like you should be able to. For in this situation, like, look, we need this out of your out of the TV partner, or say like, um, yeah, you either do this or we will cut ties with you, and you owe us eighty percent of what what you would owe. I don't know. I don't know. That's I don't know how you're gonna approach with that, but that's the way it should be because if you're not delivering on your product. Your contracts get terminated in every other thing. You get fired in every other walk of life. All right? Especially in this country, which I can't say I blame. But when it comes to TV product, I don't know. I think it's time for a change. So, yeah, I do blame part of the loss of viewership on the delivery from Fox. You know, I'm going to upshift this as well. I think that if the Fox just... They don't present the sport the way that they used to. And it's really disappointing and disheartening. Because yeah. I feel like there used to be so much more valuable information on a Fox broadcast. I mean, you just go back and watch any Fox broadcast, even as, even as late as 2017. Like, there was so much more information being provided than there is now. Yeah. I feel like it was, it was... It's definitely been a combination of COVID. I think a lot of people either unfortunately passed away from COVID or they lost their jobs due to COVID or they found other jobs due to COVID, you know, or, you know, something Fox downsized due to COVID and they never hired anybody back. They haven't in the past two years. They haven't bothered to hire anybody back or hire any replacements. Yeah. Or maybe they have hired replacements and these replacements are just terrible. I don't know. But the quality of the broadcast has just gone down on Fox so much. It has become hard to watch. That's why I clamor every week. Just please bring back Larry Mack in the booth. Bring him back because I just need some sense of information that we know what's going on. And it's not just two, one guy trying to take this seriously, another guy trying to be drunk, and the guest of the week. You know, that's what it feels like. Mike Joy is trying to do these things seriously, but let's be honest, he never, Mike Joy never had the energy in the booth, you know, like Daryl and Larry did. Like, when, when you, you think about, fan, like, exciting calls to the finish, it's always Daryl and Larry yelling, and Mike Joy then calling the finish in his he, own he, way. He's, he's has his own way of being excited, but it's not like Lee Diffie at right. all. He he he's got his own demeanor, which makes him unique. But you gotta have like you're, I think you're trying what, what you're trying to say is that you gotta have the other two people be excited for the right reason at the right time. Exactly. In the right combination, you need a subway right combination. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I but right it's right. You're, you're absolutely there. right when you say that. I mean, they when Fox is doing these announce booths. They're not thinking about it like they were in 2001. When they were yeah. thinking about, or 2000, I should say, when they were compiling that 
that broadcast team in 2001, they were think they they said, okay, well, Mike Joy, you're going to be the lead announcer. You're going to be the guy who is going to be professional. You're going to be the professional side of the broadcast. And then you had Larry Mack. Larry Mack, you're going to be the analyst. You're going to be the guy who analyzes what the teams are doing and tells the fans about different types of strategies, speculates on what types of strategies might be useful. And you have five or six, typically back then, uh, pit reporters relaying you information to help you analyze and do your job. And then you had Daryl Waltrip, who was the former driver, who could tell you everything about what it was like driving a car, and he also served as comic relief. He was excited. He brought energy to the booth. But he was informative in his own right. The problem you have now is you have Mike Joy, who hasn't changed because he hasn't had to change. Nobody's asked Mike Joy to change. We don't want him to change, quite frankly. I don't. But they have Clint Boyer up there, who really doesn't provide any analysis at all. He's not like Daryl Waltrip. He doesn't have DWisms. I remember things about that Daryl Waltrip said about a race car that stick with me, and I can't remember a single deep or knowledgeable or informative thing Clint Boyer has ever told me. What do you got to say, Josh? Boy, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> that's what Clint Boyer is going to be known no, for. Seriously, man. I mean, he, Clint. Clint, that's what. I mean, Clint. Clint is God bless him. You know. I think Clint is a would be it was is a good like guest person maybe you know he was in, yes. a, in a guest role, but I feel like for him it's more so. You know I've heard Dale and Hart Jr. say with the NBC crew and it's it's chemistry, it's just four guys watching a race, and I think that's this Clint Boyer kind of approaches it the same way except that chemistry with it doesn't suit that booth. It's not there, so you can't just be, as you've said, one guy watching a race, one guy being professional, and a guest guy rotating in. That doesn't work. So, I, I, yeah, I, jeez. Dale Jr. nails it on NBC, because I think Dale Dale Jr. knows, see, and I I said this to my wife the other day, I I said, Dale Jr. is, like, every millennial's favorite race car driver for more reasons than just his race car driving. Yeah. Right. I, and it's because he gets us. He gets what we want. He mm-hmm. understands. He gets it. So when he understands what the fans want, he applies that to his own work ethic and his broadcasting approach. And so he works. He listens to the fan feedback. He says, oh, you want somebody who's excited? All right. I'll give you excited. I'll react when things happen. You know, like. I. Even when I'm watching, when I was watching the finish to Kansas, I was watching it with my wife and she makes notes about how high my voice becomes when I'm watching the race, you know, and I get so excited. It's because it's bringing out my inner Daryl Waltrip and Larry McReynolds because I grew up with watching them and I say the same kind of things they say. But then when I and so I don't hear what the broadcast is saying in those last couple of laps because I'm. You know, I'm screaming, right? I'm I'm talking over the TV. But then I go back on Twitter, and I watch the finish. And I'm like, my God, this is terrible commentary. They sound bored. And I was in there probably waking all my neighbors up from their afternoon nap. You can't. I, I think a great example of this is what I, I think they need to go watch the IndyCar broadcast. Lee Diffie, Townsend Bell, James Hinchcliffe. 
hit it off and they have they are excited when they need to be excited they're they're calm when they need to be calm and their their presentation is just spot on you know I, yeah. I, that, and i think we like we had that for so long for, for 15 years we had that with fox between yeah, we did between mike 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 with you know his excited level but you had that with larry and daryl at a, at a right level, so yeah, it, 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 it again, as I said before, you just need change. There needs to be a change. There needs, to be, will, there needs to be a fresh face. Sorry, I I will add to this because there's another part of this that I really wanted to get to, and I know we spent a lot of time on this upshift downshift question, but I promise you this stays on topic. Um, when you note uh, that bringing in a new TV partner like ESPN. I actually firmly believe that ESPN would be the perfect partner for nascar right now and here's why here's why no no no, no, no. It's, it's for way more reasons than what you think it's for way more reasons than what you think espn has f1 people are tuning in to watch f1 that's exactly why i mean why. you've got you've got why? this okay so you've got that you understand this the second reason why the second reason why is because nascar wants to get in on the streaming pie right yep. they shouldn't be looking at amazon like apparently they're doing they shouldn't be looking at amazon they should be telling Amazon to kick rocks, and they should be telling Jeff Bezos to pay his employees. And then what they should do is they should go over to the Big Mouse and Disney, and they should tell ESPN that they want they are they want NASCAR on the platform again. And they should say, all right, well, we're gonna do is we're gonna have a six race summer series exclusive on ABC and ESPN Plus. That's what we're gonna do. Because ABC in the summer after the NBC fi- uh, excuse me, ABC in the summer after the NBA Finals has nothing. They have nothing going on on Sunday afternoons. They are typically airing infomercials on Sunday on, on in in like June, July, like late late June, July after the NBA Finals uh, and before the WNBA playoffs picture well, starts and, heating up. And, that, and, and not to interrupt you on that, but they don't have football in in the fall. You could throw a lot. You could you could have Formula One leading into NASCAR a lot. And I didn't say. And I, this is this is something too that I thought about. We're going way off topic here. We're staying on topic. I we're think we're topic, talking about we're going, we're going off topic. why they would be better than Fox. Let's think about this too. Let's go to the Dover last week. There were a lot of people in the stands for a rain delayed race, and here's why I think part of that is one. They said the race is going to start at noon. Okay, wow, noon. All right, it's going to be a three and a half, four hour race. I mean, race will be over by four, around four o'clock. I'll be home by eight instead of 11 o'clock if it started at three. So moving to ESPN and having Formula One lead into NASCAR, ESPN have their post race show. NASCAR have their pre-race show, which I would love to have more post-race than pre-race, but um, have a little bit of pre-race, race, and then post-race. There, that it writes its freaking self for promotion, fan engagement, and tuning in and sharing. the like, hey, you like this? You're gonna like this a lot better. You know, you like the strategy of this? You're gonna like watching these forty guys go around. You know, and whether it's a circle with just lefts or circles with lefts and rights. You know, I, 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 I don't I, see it. Th- my I proposal know. to you, my proposal, w- it, like I said, is 
because you don't go on ESPN, you don't go on cable, yeah. right? Yeah. You go yeah. this because this is a streaming thing. You yeah. get it on broadcast TV, which is ABC, and then yeah. you stream it on ESPN Plus, so that you there's still a linear TV way to watch it, but right. you can also stream it exclusively on ESPN Plus, which is a service that a lot of people already have. Right. And that is that would be huge because again, F1 viewership is still up this year. And a lot of those numbers are thanks to every race being on ESPN+. Plus. You right. don't have to be a subscriber to ESPN through a cable provider. You could just subscribe to ESPN+, Plus and then watch every F1 race. And that, yeah. that, I think, is a huge, a huge draw for people. Yeah. And I think NASCAR can accomplish the exact same thing with, like, some very similar to TNT Summer Series. Do it on ABC, and especially since it's on ABC, you got broadcast. You know how NBC is with IndyCar. They will very typically tell them, we are going to have a race at noon because that is when our broadcast window is. We have we are committed to something at 3 o'clock. We need to start you at noon. Yeah. You know? ABC could be the same thing. We say, hey, we've got dedicate. we got to do something at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. Uh, so you guys got to start at noon, you know? And that could be another thing that helps. Bring because more people again noon start times it could lead to noon start times i don't think it will i'm thinking optimistically but in my perfect world here this is what happens now again i want to go back before i put a pin on this note and say that currently according to adam stern and sbj at least the last article i read read is that the leading candidate is still amazon prime Yep. Which is really annoying because I let my subscription lapse after the football season, and I only watched maybe four games of the Thursday night football because I just I forgot it was on because it's not on TV anymore. I used to just be flipping around on Thursday nights and be like, "Oh, hey, it's on NFL Network. Okay, go here you go," and now it's not there anymore, so I just don't watch it now. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a problem. That's why I don't think NASCAR should do that. If you get keep it on a linear broadcast like ABC, but do the stream with ESPN Plus, you maximize that revenue and you gain exposure. I understand that it might be, you know, I don't know, it might not be enough, like as much money as NASCAR is looking for, right? I'm assuming that Amazon would probably be offering them way more money than ESPN would, right? So that's why this is probably going to happen. But I digress. I still think that that would be the smart way to go is take, but darn RTA in the charter system. Cause they need their TV money and NASCAR can't afford to maybe well, cut. The team, the, whether, whether you had the charter system or not, teams need more money. It I, know that. I know that, but it, with the way the structure is now, NASCAR can't afford to skimp on the TV rights. They have to go for whoever will give them the most money. Obviously Fox is going to give them the most money. NBC is going to give them the second most money. If Amazon know. ends up giving NBC's them the third pay, most money, NBC's paying more right now. Okay, NBC's paying more than Fox, but if so, NBC's giving them the most money. Fox is paying the second most money, and then if Amazon steps in and says, "Hey, we'll match what NBC is paying you for six freaking races," uh, NASCAR is going to take it, yeah. even though the exposure from having races on ABC, ESPN Plus would be way bigger. All right, next question here. Uh, do you upshift or downshift that Sergio Perez will given a fair will be given a fair chance to fight for the 2023 F1 World Championship 
by his Red Bull team. Josh, how about this? No, I don't think he will. I really don't. So I downshift. I don't think he will. Um, I think he needed to win Miami. I think he needed to uh, win. What's the there's a? He, I think he needed to win Miami, and he needed to win Monaco because Max is probably going to win in Mola. I think he needed to win these two races. And who would have thought that starting ninth would have given you the winning, the winning. Uh, strategy in, in any F1 races beyond me. By doing darn near the whole race on hards and then pitting for mediums with like less than 10 laps to go and then easily overtaking your teammate on a complete alternate strategy. And see, and I would have done the same thing with Sergio. I'm like, you have the faster car. Start him on hards. If he gets beat on the start, I'd rather take a risk. If I'm Sergio, I'm like, I'd rather take a risk getting wrecked out on the open, on the opening corners than let them finishing second because we took the easy way on the start. I know that sounds crazy, but Sergio, you gotta take every you gotta take every chance you get. I don't think he's gonna be given a fair shot. I think I think Miami is it, the month of May for him was gonna be very determined. I think he's gonna be great at Monaco. Uh after Monaco is what, Canada? Or no, it's Barcelona, uh, uh in Spain, I think maybe. I thought it's, I it's typically Canada. It's I think well, Spain, Spain's June now. I think I think it's Spain. I think it's Spain before Canada. Oh um, wow, that that's I don't like so, that. I think it's I think it's just going to be the summer's going to go to summer's going to go to Max. He needed he needed to establish himself as the leader with like a twenty point lead, like exiting Monaco to be given like okay. We'll let you guys race. I don't think he's going to be allowed to race now. I think he's going to, if he's going to go out there and win this championship, he's going to have to go out there and have some bad luck for, for Max and, and put that car on pole as every week. He's, he's going to be driving, he's going to have to drive really, 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 really hard. So I downshift. Well, this is interesting for me because I think that they, I think that they'll let him fight. I think that they'll let him fight, but I, don't think that Sergio will be able to put up much of a, a chance because Red Bull will not put him on the right strategy, just like they did. But isn't that not giving him a fair? That, but that's not giving him a fair chance. You're saying they're going to allow him to race, but is he going to be given a fair chance? Oh, two well, different things. Okay, I misunderstood the question. Then, then in my, then, then I downshift. Then, yeah, he's not. He's he's not going to win the championship. He's just not because they're not going to let him no matter what. I mean, it's a, at this point, like, they should, they should have just, I, 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 first of all, first of all, why in the heck, why can a hard tire go darn near the whole race distance? That is just stupid. There should not be an F1 race with only one pit stop. Everyone should have to pit twice. I Everyone mean, should have the, pit twice. yes, one stop races are just stupid. Yes. Two stops minimum. Why are we doing this? Two stops minimum. That's what, hey, I, I would say F1, you got a two stop minimum. Everyone's got to stop at least two times. I would say alter the, I, I would say how about this? Everyone has to run all three tire compounds throughout the race. No, I don't like that because then I, 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 I just two top, just two stops. Just two run stops. Two, you got to run two, you got to run two different I tire compounds. create two stops. Because then you would start on one tire, go to, like, obviously, a, you'd start on no, the hard, yeah, that, pit that, for that, medium halfway through, yeah. 
then pit your your the second time for softs and go to the end on the softs. That, that's 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 fair. I don't know. I'd rather just institute two two uh, a two stop minimum instead of actually saying you got to run all three. I think it's just incentivize. It would incentivize Pirelli to make a tire that was suitable for racing and not a tire that literally can't blow up at all and is like the the medium tire can go too long. The medium, the hard and, and, yeah, the medium and the soft. The, the, the soft is like, what is the point of the soft? Nobody even uses it half the time. They no. use it for like qualifying, maybe. They you you use it you use it if you're going to go hard out for eight laps and then pit for a hard set and go the remaining forty five laps on that. That's what that's the only time you use a soft. They match literally reverse. pitted with twelve laps to go, twelve or eleven laps to go, and put on freaking medium tires. In any other scenario, you put on softs there. Yeah. Like, what? Anyway, anyway. Uh, let's talk more Formula 1. Is it time for Liberty Media to foot the bill and cover an 11th or possibly even a 12th team entry to Formula 1 in, over, in order to cover any financial dilution to the championship money? Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? I think, yes, it is 100% upshift. Liberty Media in, FI, in F1 and FIA are making plenty of money that they could say, okay, yeah, we'll put up another $50 million for, or another $25 million for one team, $50 million for a, for a, a 12th team to enter. Absolutely. I, they, they're making enough money, Rob. They can foot that bill. So if they are, if they're interested... As the ownership group, what what are the, what are these other owners going to do? We're not going to race if we put another car. We're not diluting the money. We're not going to race because we don't want more competition. Okay, sell your stuff. That's you can't you can't go anywhere else and do this. Can't. So what do you, what do you want to do? It's time for Liberty Media to kind of put the money where their mouth is, literally, and. Put the money up for the for the additional for the championship, and then when you get to the new Concord Agreement, which apparently they're already wanting to talk about, you put it in there. You build in money, like, hey, if we have another team, there's this much money. If we have a twelfth team, there's this much money. But if there's only ten teams, there's this much money. Are we too smart for the FIA? I think we are. Well, we're probably a little too smart for the F1 team members because they just want the most money, and they don't want. What's good for the sport? Yeah, those guys—they yeah. don't—they don't really care what's good for the sport. They just care that their cars are are winning and that they're making money. Yep, 100%. that's really all they want. So I personally, for the on this for me, I look, man, I would love to see it happen. I just don't know if it will. Um, it's one of those things where it's wishful thinking, but I I just don't know that it'll happen. It. It should I'm happen. So I'm upshift that it should happen. Yeah. But I just can't believe that this is something that will actually happen. The teams would somehow find some way to throw a fit about it. I don't know how they would throw, throw a fit. fit no matter what. But here here if I'm sitting across the table, I'm like, Toto, we are putting up the money. you are not if you win the championship, you're gonna win the same amount of money as he if probably you- thinks he should win more. But okay, then I would say okay, fine. We'll put it there. You get an extra million. You get an extra million if you. Win I mean, literally, I think if you told people, 
told the team owners that, hey, if you allow extra teams on the grid, there'll be more purse money to go around. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you and would think that they would. That, I'd be like, okay, we're, done. we're doing this. Andretti, come on. You're you're in Formula One now, and a twelfth person? I don't know. We can find a twelfth team somewhere. Some scam or, artist to make a bunch of money in Bitcoin Audi, and is just going to sell the team to Audi in a couple of years. Yeah, just 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 allow this other manufacturer to come in and say, "Yep, you can. You're good. Come on, come on in here. Let's go." It's not going to probably be another manufacturer. It's probably just going to be a privateer entry. Let's be honest. There's, there's, uh, it's not like Toyota or BMW is going to come back. It's well, you get like Cadillac is going to use a rebadge of Renault engine. So whatever, do that. Instead. What? Yeah, that's what they're doing. That's the plan. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. All right. Um, we'll talk about this next one. Gunther Steiner. Gunther Steiner. Gunther. He claimed this week that Formula One could become the dominant motorsport discipline in the United States. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? Not amongst the average Joe. I think. Formula One will always capture the person who can go out there and drop $50,000 on five tickets and without blanking. 100%. But the average Joe is always, I think, always going to go to NASCAR because of, A, the relatability, even though it's tough to relate to some of these drivers today, it's even more difficult to relate to Esteban Ocon. How does anybody relate to Charles Leclerc for that matter? The dude is from Monaco. I mean, anybody from Monaco, right? Like, how do you... You're not going to relate to them. So, I would say... In that regard, I think they can win the rich. Which, in turn, could well hurt IndyCar and NASCAR. Um, but I think the average Joe's always going to be like, I can go to any NASCAR, most NASCAR races, I would say, out of the 38, I can go to 34 of them, and I can get uh, cup races, and I can get four tickets, five tickets for under... Three hundred fifty bucks. You know, at, at the, I, of course, as the time we're recording this in twenty twenty three, where in where where money's at, you can get it for three hundred fifty bucks. And that's tickets. General admission tickets in Las Vegas are selling for five hundred dollars, at best, and it's actually higher than that probably now. Yeah, I mean it's. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be real tough. To... A lot of respect for a lot of these for a lot of these F one people, even though I think they they have an issue with Americans, but they have no problem racing on our soil. Um, but I think their their European mindset and Formula One elitist travel the world, Ritz. Look, look, Toto Wolf, one of the richest people in the world, okay, he's cannot relate to, I don't think, the average American, and therefore most of the people who go to these F1 races. So I think they're a little blinded by that. 
Um, I downshift what Gunther says, even though, yes, stock car racing has its obstacles right now, absolutely, and there's a lot of question marks around 2025, but I think... I don't think F1's going to capitalize on those. I don't. I, and, and, and the racing, clearly, on NASCAR's worst day, it's better than 90% of F1 races. Yeah. There's, there, there's the kicker. So just remember that. On NASCAR's worst day, they're better than 90% of F1 races. So. I, you, I, yeah, I, I, agree, I with agree with that, that as a big A-time F1, F1 fan, fan who loves. You know, I, I love the strategy races. I even I can yeah. usually enjoy almost every any F one race. Um, my my take on this is that I just don't know where he's coming from. This I just don't think it's possible. You're you're asking an international series like F one to become bigger than a racing series that they can ra- any racing series that they can that Americans can see cheaply and. Any time at their leisure, basically. I mean, you, you only got three chances to see the F1 in the United States. You've got you've got Las Vegas now. You've got Miami. You've got Coda. One of those is like only one of those is a, a obtainable. A, you know that an average Joe can even attend. And that one's down in Texas, which admittedly there's a lot of people in Texas, but there's also a lot of people throughout the rest of the world that you know it takes. It will take multiple hours of driving, several days of driving to get to Circuit of the Americas. It's tough. And let's and let's let's not forget this too. The way F one's trending, they're capitalizing on money, so tickets yeah. are not getting cheaper. F we we talked on the show. Coda can do their damnedest to keep their tickets absolutely cheap as possible, but they gotta fit a bill yeah, to F one and the FIA. And and how yeah it's it's gonna be I see I just don't see it happening. I mean you're ask you're asking a a country that turned its back on open wheel racing in 1996 to embrace open wheel racing again. It's not gonna happen, buddy. It's just not. It, it, IndyCar should be way more popular than it is, and it yeah. is just it's just not. That's and then, well, that's due to a number of factors, obviously, right? But. It, at the end of the day, it it's just not going to work. I mean, you could get F1. F1 can be the fad of the month, just like soccer. You know? Yeah. Guarantee you, in 10 years, all of the soccer t- stadiums that were built and all of the MLS expansion teams that came out are all mm. going to fold and all going to be closed. Promise. I think that... Wait, that, 10 that, to 15 that, years, I promise. Okay, you're not, you're not counting the Hispanic population growing in this country. Okay, so some of the Florida or Southern teams are going to be popular, but I guarantee you that most of the Northern teams, like like the Tennessee one or the Nashville, yeah, yeah the Nashville SC or whatever, something like that, or the Cincinnati FC or something, those are not going to be around in 10, 15 years because the soccer fad is going to die, and the F1 fad is going to die too. Oh, I- you know, Americans will always like baseball, football and basketball and it is going to be very tough to break into that venue when you are just a fad nascar was just a fad at one point open wheel racing indycar in some ways in a lot of ways it was a fad too in the 60s and 70s you know it's niche 
it's niche. It, these are niche things. It's you're not it, going to be able to get this wide variety of appeal for very long. It's it, auto racing will always be niche because it's so splintered naturally because there's so right. many different disciplines. Basketball, you basically have one discipline. Yes, the game in Europe is a little bit different because of rules and floor layouts. And the netball. Yeah, but but it's the same thing. Soccer, it's the same thing across the world. But Rob, you you, you name three: Formula One, IndyCar, NASCAR, NHRA, World of Outlaws, uh, IMSA. I'm missing a bunch of others. Billy, how, how many short track series? How many local yeah. short tracks running? You know, used beat up cars with yeah. you know four cylinder engines that sound louder than a B fifty two bomber. You're, you're, it's just so splintered, and and you can't have F one. F one will not do that. Again, I'll attest. I'll continue to attest that they will. They can capture the rich in in the United States for basically business purposes. But it will never capture the average Joe, and the average Joe ultimately is what's going to pay your bills. All right, we're going to talk uh, about the next question. This is because we are we are deep in discussion today, Josh. We have been actually really good at staying more or less on track. We've just had so much to talk about with these questions. Yes. Yes. Uh, the next question here we're going to go on to is Denny Hamlin told the AP, the Associated Press, that a major issue with NASCAR is that there are no superstars, no active household names for the general population to recognize. Do you upshift or downshift that the drivers must play a larger role in stock car racing's rebirth? How about this, Josh? I think I know where you stand on this, but go ahead and let the people who don't hear all about it. I just went through three transmissions because I, I, I upshifted that hard. You destroyed the gearbox so much that your mechanic is excited to see you for the fourth time. Yes, excited maybe. He's, he's on the phone with his wife right now planning a cruise. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, look, hey, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about it because this is a great time to talk about Ross Chastain. Ross Chastain. I tweeted about it, and, and I appreciate anyone who's listening who, who, who liked it. Look. Ross Chastain is doing more than NASCAR's most popular driver. Let me repeat that. Ross Chastain is doing more for NASCAR than its most popular driver. Okay? Whether you like it or not, we're talking about him. I, talk, I, I work with people who, like, who they just don't like Ross Chastain. I'm like, you don't? How do you not? He's entertaining. I've always liked Ross Chastain. I really do. I've always believed him for the past 10 years. And now he's getting, he's finally get. he's got his chance a few years ago. He's doing great track house. Love him. Um, I like his aggression. I like that he's willing to go over that line. I don't think he's ever intentionally wrecked anybody, but he's made some dumb mistakes. Absolutely. Um, but I don't think he's ever intentionally turned right on somebody, turned left on somebody. But he's making conversation. He's in the middle of this fight. That he he KO'd Noah Gragson. He KO'd Noah Gragson. Noah Gragson walked into a fight and wasn't prepared to win. All right? NASCAR needs superstars. They need guys who are going out there and gals, who, whoever, guys and gals, who are willing to go and do put in the extra work. Right now, I don't even believe... The funny thing is, Denny Hamblin has been in the sport since 2006. He basically crapped on himself. He did. And he can deny that all he wants, but he crapped on himself. 
NASCAR drivers are not willing to put in the work. They aren't. And it's 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 sad to see where you see and even NASCAR isn't willing to put in put in the work because they're all they do is promoting Chase Elliott. I'm like, why aren't you promoting Ross Chastain more? Why aren't you promote promoting Kyle Busch more? Right? What happened to that? You're you're probably, Chase Elliott's back. Great, he's back. Fantastic. But you've been six people win since he's been gone. Right? Joey Logano's a two time freaking champion. Part of it can be on the on the sponsors who are sponsoring these guys. But the drivers got put into the work too. This is a sacrifice to be this level. You should always want to put you want to leave somewhere better than when you found it. And these guys are not are not like Chase, Joey, Denny are not gonna leave the sport as they as it stands. And I would even say, I'm sorry, like Kevin, but Kevin Harvick's not leaving the sport in a better spot than when he found it, than when he walked into it. I understand, like, hey, I got two kids and stuff now. Like, this is a sacrifice. There's a reason. There is a reason. Back in the day, you didn't see kids out on the track because this was your life. This was it. And I'm not. I'm not trying to discourage people from having kids. You know. Uh, you know, like like Tyler Reddick and and his fiance uh, going out there and and having a second kid. I'm not. Dis- I'm not. I'm not discouraging that. But you got to be willing to say, look, this is my job. Right now, no one's putting in the work. I in in the in you can blame we can blame it on TV, we can blame it on the on the economy because all those things play a factor too. But if you're not going out there putting in the work and saying, hey, you know what, Shell, I'm Joey, what can I do to get to get a commercial that's going to air outside of NASCAR? That I'm in my fire suit, my car's in, my car is in, in, in the commercial. What can I do? Every single time they're in the United States, you see an Adam Stern tweet from Formula One saying, "Oh, Checo is doing an Exxon commercial," or Ferrari's doing a Shell commercial. You never see it because I don't think they air here. But why? Why are these guys not doing? Why are our guys not being more assertive in that? When was the last time you saw a Chase Elliott Napa commercial? Think about that. It's been a while. I've ranted on. I've got, I've called out a lot of people. Probably hurt my chances at, at at jobs in the future. I don't know, but this is what my problem is: is that I don't think our supposed stars are putting in the effort. And sometimes it takes them doing. You know, you got sometimes you got to go go find that task. You can't wait the task to find you. That's the way it used to be, probably. And I believe that's the way it used to be. We're like, hey, we want to do this commercial with Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Steve Park alongside Michael Walter Pierre for this for our nap for the next Napa hit. We want to make fun of and we want to make fun of Michael and Teresa try to console him. Right? Sometimes you gotta go you gotta go out there and you got you gotta go noodling. You got you got Jeffrey Earnhardt this thing. And stick your hand in, in that hole and pull out a fish. You can't wait the fish to grab onto the hook and pull it out. I, I'm just, uh, it, 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 when I read that, I, I didn't nearly throw my phone. But in my head, a nuclear bomb went off on Bikini Atoll. And I'm like, this is ridiculous to be reading from someone who's been in the sport since 2005. And he's been in Cup since 06. 
it's aggravating and frustrating that this is even being discussed. Rob, I want to hand it off to you now. I mean, totally fine with me. I have some feelings myself about this, but, um, you know, I, I agree. I, 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 I do upshift this. I don't know how much I can blame it on Hamlin or people around Hamlin or people like Hamlin. Here's the big, here's one thing I think. That by example, set it by example. Let me put that way. Set, I know set you want to set by example. I think a lot of this too goes down to how sponsors use the race car drivers in their in their brand anymore it used to be when when a sponsor signed a race car driver that essentially became their mascot for the duration of the sponsorship i mean let's be honest to me when ups had dale jared it was all about him driving the truck right pepsi had jeff gordon i mean he was the unofficial pepsi mascot napa had dale jr and michael waltrip dominoes had both of them too i mean dale jr and michael waltrip were basically like a pair yeah. Uh, they Napa commercials, Domino commercials. I mean, I mean, Dale Jr. obviously had the Budweiser commercials, which was big. I mean, with such a big beer, everybody drinks Budweiser. And, you know, especially back then, everybody was drinking Budweiser because of all the Budweiser commercials. Yeah. You know, and they used Dale Earnhardt Jr. And it, it, it's like you look at it now and, yeah, they want to promote the Bush brand, but they don't use Kevin Harvick in any of the the ads. Nope. Nope. Why is Kevin Harvick not in any of the Bush ads? Why is Kevin Harvick so much... not the Bushman? Right. Or, or at the very least, why is he not doing frequent commercials with that Bush guy? Like, you could still have the Bushman, you know, do commercials for, you know, things other than NASCAR. But, like, when you're airing NASCAR races, Kevin Harvick should be in those commercials. You should see drivers in those commercials because then what happens is you watch those commercials they make you laugh you think oh i like that driver okay i'm gonna root for him right right it, but I, I think in a, in a larger sense today it's more important to have a, a nascar related commercial airing during baseball or football you could, give you could five- have those too as well i'm not saying that yeah. but yeah in general sponsors need to remember that when they sign these sponsorship deals they should be getting those drivers essentially as as marketing partners as uh, as actors as spokesmen as pitchmen i re- i still remember reading um there's all there was a nascar illustrated article that i read when i was a kid about if it was from 2005 i remember it because it had uh all the a lot of the rookies from the last couple of years on the cover and it was a story about how sponsors are so were so involved at the time they were so involved with NASCAR drivers and making them part of their brand, you know, and there were, uh, the, the, cause Casey Kane, I remember I read the article cause Casey Kane was talked, was interviewed in the article and that's why I wanted to read the article. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how he was doing ads with Dodge and Mountain Dew and, um, and, and for all state, the all state ads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were asking him, you know, what that was all like, what it was like shooting on set, what it was like, you know, how, how he balanced that work life, all that stuff. And, you know, it looked like it was a lot of work, obviously. But at the time, Casey was what, 25? You know, he yeah. was young. Yeah. He didn't have much going on. He didn't have a wife. He didn't have a kid. He didn't have any of that like yeah. he has now, yeah. you know. And, and he was able, but he was able to do that. He had all that spare time. And he was ru- running Bush races at the time. Carl Edwards. Carl Edwards for another is another example. That's a piece of news I forgot to examine. Carl Edwards will be in the booth 
next yep. week, this weekend at Darlington. I'm so excited for that. But anyway, Carl Edwards used to be in all tons of ads. I mean, you couldn't, I mean, Subway and Carl Edwards were like, they were, they, I mean, they were close knit. They were, it was constantly a Subway ad with, or even when Subway went to Tony Stewart for that one year, that yep. one off year. And they, I still remember the commercial. I still remember the commercial because it was like Tony Stewart ate the Subway sandwich and then he won a race and then he went to climb the fence and he just kept climbing the fence. Like the fence never ended or whatever. And it was a, it was a silly, stupid, but funny commercial that I remembered. And it, they would never, you would never see something like that nowadays. And it's insane to me that that doesn't happen. We don't have that. So not only do you have that, but then something I've talked about on the show before, Josh, is you're right. The drivers don't put in the effort. I mean, again, using last year, the experience at the Brickyard last year, and even my experience at going to MIS as a fan, I could tell you that the only time that I was aware of between that two-week stretch there was any kind of meet-and-greet with any kind of driver was at the speedway across the speedway where Kyle Busch was giving out free cans of his energy drink. And signing autographs and doing meet-and-greets. And that was the only thing. And it was Kyle Busch. A, a guy that most people really honestly don't like. Yeah. And he's doing that. And what does it say? What does it say about the state of the sport when the driver who is admittedly not really that much of a fan favorite. I mean, maybe he is more so now, but typically in the past he hasn't been. He's Easy. doing more for fan engagement than the guy winning the most popular driver award is. Yeah. Chase Elliott would rather sit in his motorhome and ignore the fans than go out there and do what Kyle Busch is doing. Sign autographs. Go to a local net. Whenever, what, you know what it you should be, you know what it used to be? And this, this was something that, I don't know, Josh, you can attest to, but there used to be a time where you could go to a local Napa when NASCAR was in town and meet Michael Waltrip. Yeah. You can't oh, do yeah, that, that now. I mean, look, it certainly has to be a, we are, this is a very heated topic because there's a lot to, there's a lot to, to discuss on it. But, you know, I am, you know, you got to have some sort of life. I get that too. But, you know, for Chase, think about it. There's 38 weekends a year. Take 30 of them and go to a local Napa somewhere. Somewhere there's a local Napa, right? There's got to be a local Napa. There's so little track time now. Drivers yeah, can't uh, run that, the Xfinity races. Yeah, Drivers that, don't practice and qualify as much. What are they doing? Yeah, I, 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 sometimes I think they're flying in and flying out. And I don't think that's – Rob, you and me are different. You know, we, we – there's a lot of people who have checked out. I hate the excuse, like, I, I quit watching NASCAR when Dale died. That used to bug the heck out of me. But when people say, I quit watching when Carl left, I get it. I get that one. I can respect that one a heck of a lot more than because Dale died. Because – I understand. I, I would re I understand Jeff Gordon retiring, Tony Stewart yeah. retiring, Dale Jr. retiring. In my case, Casey Kane retiring. It made things a lot harder. Even to, to a lot of people, too, and they don't like to admit this, but Danica retiring, I think, had a lot to do with it, too. Oh, yeah. I think I think that's absolutely. That that can play a major role. But you you got to so, – so what that states is the Dale thing, like, I never I, – I, I understand popular. He's maybe larger-than-life guy last of his breed in, in, in many ways. 
Um, but there was someone else you could have cheered for. Not even Dale. It, not Jeff, because Dale and our senior fans weren't going to cheer for Jeff Gordon at, at that point in time. They, I thought most of them mer- moved on to to Dale Jr. I think some moved on to Dale Jr., but you couldn't have, like, what about, what about Tony? Tony, I felt like, was like a really great successor. If you didn't like Dale Jr., you weren't sold on Dale. Tony Stewart would have been a great one. Um, think Kevin in many ways, but today, what you, when I when I hear someone say I quit watching when when Carl left or when Jeff left, Tony left, so no one no one stuck out to you as like pick me. And right now, I I think to circle back what I originally said, I think Ross Chastain is the only one saying pick me right now. I really think that. But is he signing watermelons? You know, at at the track. I think I well, like, that, like that's Carl kind of the next. That's kind of the next step. Part of it is you got to generate conversation, right? You have to generate conversation around you, right? Um, and whether that be spending an extra five, ten minutes with the press, doing your own thing, going out and doing appearances and then you can then you earn that like hey man i want you to sign we'll do a we'll do a yeah i'll buy a watermelon for one buck and i'll sign it for you and you can you know what i don't know what which you some kind of promotion or whatever it's not bad i don't know what you're gonna do with a rotting watermelon but yeah lot lot that's a huge one to unpack and i know i ranted on that one so i don't know if we'd probably need to move on or not well yeah we'll move on to this the second to last one here and we'll try and get through these Quickly, do you upshift or downshift that it is more important to be in as many markets as possible, NASCAR in this case, instead of going to a track such as Kansas Speedway track twice? And this stems, I know, from a t- texting conversation we had this weekend. So, what do you? What's yeah. your take here? We could probably get through this quickly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's. I, I, I think you gotta be in more markets right now. Uh, this kind of go. Uh, sorry, upshift. I think this kind of stems to what we're just talking about. You need to be in as many markets because you don't want to, until you can say, I'm willing to drive six hours to go to a race. You got to bring the show to people again. Um, I would rather see, I, I it was tough. I couldn't really get a beat on the crowd at Kansas this week. At times it looked full. I'm like, other times like it looks kind of empty. I've always found out that I believe the reason for that is from what I've been told is because some of the upper grandstands at yes, Kansas, the upper grandstands have are, are, the, are, are they have are, they have tables in front of them, so right. it makes the grandstand look more sparse than it actually is. Yeah, and you know they have the different seats things, but I was really trying to pay attention to it. I I, I would I, here's what I'd rather be if I, I it's tough because it, then you look at the TV money right. Um, I would rather say in this situation, in a realistic one, Rob, I know we talked about another one, but in a realistic situation, I'd rather see a Kansas State go to Iowa, sell out Iowa, and then you have these Kansas people are like, hey, man, I want to go to this race and bring in temporary stands to accommodate those who want to go to the Kansas, the one Kansas race a year. I think that's where I'd rather be, is say, let's let's sell out however many seats Iowa holds, say it's 20,000, and let's say they, they bring in another 10,000 temporary seats, there's 30, and then Kansas holds, I don't know how many, like 60,000 people, 70,000 people, I think, and let's say you have another 10,000 that want tickets there. To me, that's a win. Instead of saying, yeah, we had 40,000 at each Kansas, 
Kansas race this year or 50,000. You weren't selling out, but you could have been in a different market that maybe would have supported it, right? I think that, to me, is more important right now, to be in as many markets as you can, exposing as many local centers of population to a race. I know Kansas put on a banger of a race. That's true. They put on a great race. Um, and for some reason, this next year in car loves mile and a half that are like Kansas. Um, so I know that's a tough ask, but I think that's where we need to be right now is in, is in, is in more markets and go to places like don't go to Des Moines and create a street course. Go to Iowa. It's going to put on a good race. It's going to put on a good race with this car. It's going to put on a good race in the Xfinity Series. It's going to put a good race in the trucks. Always has. So that's where I'm at with that. I, I think you've got to go to as many markets as possible. Well, I understand that. My philosophy of this simply is, I think the reason why Kansas still has two dates is, again, because I think we've mentioned it on the show, and I think you might have been the one who pointed this out to me even, is that because they've invested in the area around the track so much. There's things mm -hmm. to do. There's yep. more things to do when you go to Kansas Speedway yep. than when you go to some of these other tracks. And NASCAR doesn't seem to understand that that is such a necessary thing. You can't. They have all of these tracks in their portfolios, and they don't seem interested in actually investing in bringing businesses or other events to some of these things. Like, I mean, they do in some of their tracks. Like, Daytona has events, other events, you know. Um, and, and, and there's other events at, at some of these tracks, but, you know, SMI does so much more. Like, you know, think, think about Charlotte, think about Atlanta. You can buy a condo there. That, that's a revenue stream for them. Yeah. Like, does, does NASCAR not understand that people will pay to live at or near a racetrack? I, try, I mean, if, if you don't understand that... Go if anybody's going to the Indy 500, I want you to go up and down the streets of Speedway next to the track, and I want you to look at those houses, and I want you to guesstimate how much you think those houses are worth, and then I want you to go on Zillow and see how um how expensive those houses actually are because the demand is so high. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm serious. I'm serious. Well, that, that and you have the revenue stream of, hey, you want to park on my lawn? <laughs> that too. That uh, too. Yeah. And, and, and I understand, like, obviously with racing, you don't want to build houses close to the racetrack. I get that because then that's how the racetrack gets closed down. But in the case for SMI, they have condos so that for people who want to overlook the racetrack. You know, it's the same regard like in Indianapolis. Again, going back to Indianapolis, Bush Stadium got turned into... Uh, an apartments. So now baseball fans can wake up every morning. Who are baseball fans who are willing to pay a price can wake up every morning with a baseball field in their backyard. And there's race fans who will do the same. You know, so I think it's all about investing in the area around it. And the reason why Kansas has two dates is because, quite frankly, they've earned it. They've yeah. earned it as being a fan friendly destination. And I, I mean, you could say what that. you want about the race, you could say what you want about the location, but they've earned it by investing in their surroundings and making it a destination race you go to kansas there's things to do you go to the casino you know you can now play pickleball you know don't recommend doing it during the race because i imagine the air from the wind from the cars will make the the ball go all sorts of ways right <laughs> it's more interesting 
Uh, maybe. maybe more, increases the difficulty level yeah. of, of, of the pickleball. Uh, you from a rookie <laughs> to pro real quick. But the, there's things to do. I, I mean, I mentioned the Bass Pro Shops. I, I'm sure there's so much more that's there now from when I went there as a kid when it was 2006 and 2009. You know, I'm sure they've added even more stuff since then. So I, I think Kansas has earned it. And I think if, if they want to take away a date from Kansas, then it has to go to another track that can provide just as good of a fan experience as Kansas. And if that means, in your case, Iowa, and then you have to invest. You have to have something like the High V thing. Get some concerts going on in there. Get additional stands. Get standing areas. You know, have other things to do on the track. Invest in the property. Yep. You know, if you're not willing to do that, then you're just going to keep having attendance problems. And Kansas has good attendance at both races, bar- barring weather. I think, again, because... The experience is so good. There's a lot. I want to go to Kansas just because I know that there's a lot of things to do around there. And that's not something you can normally say about a Midwestern flyover state. And they've done a great job of making that speedway part of Kansas City. Um, All right, we're going to move on to the last one here because we're approaching two hours and I feel bad for everybody. Last question here. With Legacy Motor Club switching to Toyota in 2024, and Richard Petty room, basically not being involved with the team anymore. He's just an ambassador. He's their brand ambassador now. Uh, the team should discontinue running the number 43. Of course, you get the super controversial one as the last one. That's probably going to take up 20 minutes of itself. But we'll keep it short as, as best we can. Josh, why don't you go ahead and start us off with discussion? I don't know how controversial. For me, it's not very controversial, but I can understand why it could be. I downshift. Uh, they they should continue to use the 43. It's Legacy Motor Club. I understand Petty's not involved in it, but the legacy is that this is a lineage of a championship-winning organization. You have a, another. You have 14, in theory, you have 14 cup championships associated with this out of 74 73, is this the 74th season, I think, actually, of the Cup Series? Uh, not the 75th, it's just 75 years of NASCAR. Um, so you have 14 championships associated with just between two drivers, and then you tack on another three with Lee Petty, right? So you, you've, got a, you've got a lot of lineage and legacy, and the 43 is one of the most recognizable numbers in, in NASCAR history. They should absolutely continue to run it. If that bugs someone just because they're switching to Toyota or just because Petty's, Richard Petty's out of the picture or both, I, I, I think you're just you're being short-sighted on that. You know, I, I think uh, it's fine. I have no problem with them running it, um, whether it be a Chevrolet, a Ford, a Toyota, or Dodge, or Honda, or Acura, whatever. I don't have a problem with it. It's a legacy a motor car. A what? When it was a Mercury. Oh, there you go. Mercury. Or a Plymouth back in the day. Plymouth, Plymouth back in the day. Buick. It was Buick. a Buick at one point, too. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So, again, legacy. The 43 should continue to be run. You know, I, I actually, I agree with that. I thought I thought you were going to have some kind of different opinion on that. But, but okay. Okay. It's not that controversial. I actually agree, too. Uh, I'm sure other people will probably disagree and wish that we talked oh, yeah. about 20 minutes. 
talked for it about 20 minutes, but no, I fully agree. I think it's it, it it's it's one of those things we talk about like needing brand awareness in NASCAR and and some of the, the other reasons people talk about you know maybe why there isn't as much interest in NASCAR. Well, okay, all the sponsors changes and everything. Well, I think you got to have something that's consistent. And the number, the number yeah, is consistent. that number. That number is is what's consistent. And we're we're, we're lucky right now that it's blue. <laughs> Whenever Eric Jones is sponsored by Allegiant, we're just lucky that it's blue. We should yeah. just be counting our blessings about about that we're we should be counting our blessings that he's running an stp scheme uh yeah. at, at, at what is it at wilkesboro right not at darlington yeah. he's running at wilkesboro right yes his uh okay. his, his darlington scheme is uh is a is a allegiant sponsored throwback okay well whatever i don't i i, I don't care about that as even though i like the allegiant schemes i i care more about the petty stp look as long as as long as there's still an stp 43 if it's a toyota don't care as long as there's as long as at least runs once that's all i'm asking for one race so that at the very least the die cast can be made Does that make sense is that too much to ask for i don't think it's too much to ask for okay okay now we're gonna move on to the weekend oil out there folks yeah uh now we're gonna move on to the weekend wrap-up talk about some of the uh races that happened this week try to keep it quick but there's a lot to talk about uh, Formula E in Monaco, the Monaco E Prix, again, another fantastic race, uh, something like nine lead changes, but there were most of them between Nick Cassidy, uh, it just, oh my gosh, it was so much fun to watch, it's, lots of passing, lots of drafting. It's more proof a smaller car does good. Oh, I agree. At Monaco, so an well, F1, smaller cars, please. I gotta tell you something, there's something about seeing cars three wide up the hill on the start that's just like, what? Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's you don't see that. Like at Monaco, you don't see cars go three wide and then have to funnel down uh, when they get to that first left-hander uh, at the top the of the hill. Let alone the bump. Right, Ooh. I know. It's like, yeah. oh, they're going, they're really flying it in there. They're sending it, you know, on the first lap, and then they're hanging in. It's just, it's it's too much fun to watch. I, If you didn't get a chance to watch it, please watch it. It's... Oh, it's so entertaining. I love when Formula E goes to Monaco. It's must-see TV. And Nick Cassidy won one heck of a race. Uh, in all honesty, he led the last half of the race, basically, because a lot of it was around under safety car. But, um, man, I got to tell you something. That was just a fun race. That was just a great fun race. And I, I wish they, they ran a doubleheader in Monaco, honestly. I, I wish know. they ran a Saturday and a Sunday race. Oh, my gosh. I need more of it. I need more of it. Uh, and it's funny. It's funny because... Form, um, the Monaco uh, E-Prix is an absolute banger. It's the most exciting race of, you know, the the Formula E season. Probably one of them, at the very least. And then uh, we go to Formula 1 in the world of Formula 1. And uh, they go to a track much different from Monaco. Uh, it's still a street short circuit, but it's much wider. It's got uh, long straights. And it's an absolute dud. I mean, it is an absolute dud. There was nothing really exciting to say about this race whatsoever. Another instance of why are they shortening DRS zones? Yes. Stop. Stop doing this. The only like, thing that could have made this race more compelling is if it was run under the lights, which they're rumored about doing, by the way. I don't and, even want that. I don't even want that. I just I, want the longer DRS zones back. Here, I mean, that's true. But here's what could also be cool. Car culture, neon lights around that track could probably be a cool sight. Again, yeah. you got to improve the racing product. But if you, it goes back to the old adage, you're slower than dirt. 
But your car looks good. Right? It's had that little edge there. There's a lot of 90s NASCAR backmarkers that fall into that. Oh, yes. And IRL backmarkers, too, for that matter. Um, But, yeah, Max Verstappen won the race after, what, going 60-some laps on hard tires and then the last 10 on mediums and just absolutely blowing by Pacheco like it was nothing? Yeah. Because apparently that's something that's doable now. Yep. I mean, it has been doable. I hate it. I hate races where it's very clear that you could just drive drivers to just go most of the race on the hard tire or one compound. You know, one compound is just so OP that it's it never wears and it's just so great. And I hate those races. That's yeah. why that's why I propose that everybody has should have to stop for all three compounds. I think that's. That's a good. If you have three compounds, I think every team should have to use them. That's my opinion. I think it just that that way you guarantee at least two pit stops. Yeah. So you guarantee better strategy than whatever the hell we saw the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, the Mar- Arca Arca series was in Kansas. That was a little fun race. That was a fun race. Uh, Frankie Muniz isn't the points leader anymore, but that's okay. I'm sure he'll get it back. Uh, but Jesse Love won the race. Uh, he was the victor there. Uh, and in the truck series, Grant Enfinger won one heck of a thrilling race at Kansas. In fact, all the races at Kansas were thrilling this weekend. Every yeah. race was a banger. Uh, not not a single boring race at Kansas, which is insane, unheard of, not something that you I would have believed. And and the pay, it's not like it's not even because it's like the pavement is worn or anything. It's just track conditions and the way the cars packages. Yeah. Like we just got lucky, and and because. Goodyear brought a certain type of tire, and the teams ran a lower PSI than they were supposed to, and the tires were going flat, so it, ergo, created tire conservation. Yep. So we got what we wanted. Yay! Um, Grant Enfinger won truck series race. Denny Hamlin won the camp, won the, won the cup race. Under controversial stats, you know, did, you know, did he intend to wreck Kyle Larson? Did he not? It D- doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is the two put on a thrilling show. Yes. I mean, an absolute fantastic show, a classic NASCAR race. I mean, that was a classic NASCAR race. That is a race that I'm going to go look back on in a couple of years, and I'm going to be like, wow, if it, you could have told me this was 2002 and I would have believed it, right? If, if, I, if I'm in like, if I'm in my 90s, in the 100s, and I've got dementia and I don't remember anything, and you show me that race, I will yeah. say, oh, that's got to be from NASCAR's golden era from the 90s, right? You'd be like, no, it's for 2022, three. And I'd be like, what? No way. That was amazing. But yeah, that's how it felt. That's how it felt. It was it that good of a race. Um, I, 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 I absolutely agree. Great racing by Denny. Great racing by Kyle. A lot of respect. Obviously, up until that last moment there, up for debate. What, what do you think is intentional or the side draft gone wrong? Whatever you wanted to say. Um, but it was, a, it was a great finish. But it's going to be a highlight reel. And again... That's what we need. And then you obviously had the, the altercation between Ross and, and, and Noah Graxon, which, by the Big way, punch, again, yeah. no, Noah, Noah, don't grab a guy without the intention of hitting him, right? Ross you got just, the punch in first, though. Ross got the punch in after he warned him let go, and when he didn't, he, he, he let him He gave it. him warning, but he didn't give him any warning that he was going to sock him. Hey, you know? this is Noah. No, you don't think you're gonna be. Let me just go through a rundown of punches in NASCAR history. We're gonna be here a while. 
Did you uh, see the non-NASCAR fans roasting him on the Bleacher Report tweet? <laughs> no. Bleacher, Bleacher Report. Report put out a tweet, and a bunch of people who like, don't follow NASCAR didn't know why Noah Gregson's hair was that way, and they oh. were just roasting his I hair. I just got to say oh. one thing. Just got to say one thing. No one has done it yet, and I don't know how they could do it, but it's like Peaky Blinders. Have you watched that show? I don't know what you're talking about. Dang it. Anyone who's, who's listening, who's watched Peaky Blinders, you're going to understand. No fighting. No fighting. No effing fighting. Everyone will get that because Peaky Blinders have like this haircut that's similar to Noah Graxon. takes place in oh, the 1990s. Okay. okay. And um, Noah Graxon decided to fight and he lost and he would have definitely been like, you're expelled from the Peaky Blinders. Get out of here. So, yeah. Yeah, that's go- I'll, t- I'll tell you the reference I liked was someone calling him Bling Bling Boy from Johnny Test, which was a cartoon that I watched when I was a kid, even though I hated it. I still hate Johnny Test. I think it's an awful cartoon, but I watched it because it was usually the only thing on most of the time. Cartoon Network played it ad nauseum, and for whatever reason, Kids WB was just obsessed with it. They kept ordering more seasons, even though I didn't want it. Anyway, uh, outstanding performance. Josh, who you got for this week? Pulling another Rob Peters here, folks. Oh, uh, first off, uh, Grant Infinger, great race. Uh, needed a season turnaround. Could be the catalyst that launches him to a great summer and uh, beginning a playoff run. Uh, so, so good for him. Good for GMS uh, racing as well. And if I'm trying to think here, no, Christian Eckes won earlier. So I will say that might have been the, the first Chevrolet win um, for trucks this year, but uh, Christian Christian Eckes won. Um, second, Haley Deegan. Here's an important stat that you need to know. She had zero top 15 finishes through eight races one year ago. Today, she has four. Wow. I, 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 yeah, she, and you can't do that with a zero. (laughs) That's the amazing part. Um, you know, so I think, uh, that's, that's good. That's good. yeah, I don't know what the rest of the season will hold. Um, yeah, there was some attrition, but even though there was some attrition, she was still running up in the top 15. So, um, I'm excited to watch the rest of this. I, again, I don't, I'm not prepared to say, oh my gosh, she's going to be a playoff truck. But I, I, I am prepared to say that, okay, this might be a good season where people's, maybe not complete opinions change, but like, okay, maybe it wasn't all her. Right. Mm. Their struggles. And then I just want to get, point this out too, because Rob, you talked about the, the, the cup race on Sunday being a classic. Amanda Busick in the, in, in, in the truck broadcast, spot on. She was asking questions that I think most people today would be like, wow, that's a, that's a bold question to ask. But I feel like 20 years ago was pretty commonplace. Mm-hmm. Right? And she was giving a detailed thing, not just like, tell me how you feel. First off, that's not a question. That's a command to yeah. all the other pit reporters out there. Um, pet peeves of ours. Anyone who went through Malcolm Moran's, Moran's class at all times knows oh, that you yes. never start a question with talk about. Talk about. Yes, absolutely. Um, so she did a great job. You don't have people who deserve a shot at Cup. Get her in the Cup broadcast alongside Jamie Little and Josh Sims. Josh Sims isn't doing horrible, but her and Jamie Little, holy cow, what a what a duo that would be. Um, 
making NASCAR feel or making the Fox broadcast feel like 2004 again. And is that is that so much to ask? She just did a great job. Okay, I, I, I and I don't know what their plans are with her, but she did a great job. Enjoy the question that she was asking and the way she was interacting with um, the drivers when she was interviewing them as well. So yeah, great job. I, I, I couldn't let that go. Hey man, as long as Fox get comes to their senses and realizes they need to double the amount of pit reporters they have ASAP. Yeah. Three yeah. pit report. Regan Smith. Have you ever actually sat down and listened? to Regan Smith's quote-unquote pit reporting? Yes. He doesn't actually say anything interesting or new. He doesn't add any in- new in- information. It's only, he just repeats information we already knew. He, he, or he, that we can already see. He's taking ty- four tires and fuel. And that's it. That's it. Like, like, I just saw that. I, tell me more. It's just car handling. But, but, you know? but, but then you looked at then Jamie and then like Amanda, they were giving more information than just what the team did uh, from an adjustment or fuel or tire standpoint. And then I thought, I know they were kind of under time pressure. But, like we are. But like, like we are. But gosh, that front stretch interview with, with Denny was atrocious. Yeah. I Bad. mean, you, had, you have one opportunity to ask a question. If I, if they, the report, if, if the director says you have one question to ask, and that's what you came up with, gosh. I, I want so badly for a driver, like, I, I, want, I want if, like, Ryan Blaney wins again, I want him to just say, no, I'm not doing a front stretch interview. I'm just going to go straight to victory lane. And then just watch Fox panic. And be like, what do we do? They're not going to victory lane. They're not going to the front stretch. Huh? Whoever it is, Fox or NBC panic. They panic immediately because they don't know what to do now. Oh, maybe maybe interview the second place finisher. And well, then... they're going to victory lane like we used to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and maybe it would help if you had more than three pit reporters. Yep. That would help a lot too. It would. Wow. Crazy ideas. I'm going to give mine to Nick Cassidy just because, man, the dude had to fight for that win. He had to fight for that win. It was not an easy win. He had to get lucky, too. Obviously, the safety car is coming out. Race ending other safety car. That helped him. But, dude, you got to get lucky. You still got to get lucky. And you got to get be good. You got to have the track position. You got to be really good. And he had all of that absolutely outstanding performance. But uh, I, d- I will give a shout-out then to, as I said earlier, again, to... Uh, the women that raced this weekend in NASCAR, uh, Haley Deegan, Tony Bridinger, and Mandy Chick, all had really good, uh, objectively really good uh, performances uh, in their respective races, and uh, just really good to to see that start to happen. I think a lot of people are starting to realize, you know, I think Tony Bridinger is starting to really get get come into her own as a race driver. You know, I think there was a time there where you were kind of nervous, where you know, okay, can Will she, won't she, you know, how is she going to come up, do this? But man, this ARCA season and then that truck start, yeah. I think she's turned into a pretty good racer. Uh, yeah, she, she's maturing. Her, her skills are maturing as a, yeah. as, a, as a driver, absolutely. Yeah. I, so I, I also love her dry humor on Twitter. That's yeah. my favorite. Is her dry humor on Twitter is just yes. chef's kiss perfect. Yes, yes. <laughs> 
I, I love that. All right, Josh, take us through your featured season because you do still have some history to teach us today. You're going to teach us some history. Hopefully my laptop doesn't die because I forgot to plug it in. It was fully charged. Okay, so, well. Go I'm ahead gonna... and get through it. I, well, I got 15% battery left on my Mac. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. Nine, okay, last week it was the 1997 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. This week it's once again going to be a 1997 season, but this time it's Formula One. Uh, whoop, scrolled too far. 1997 Formula One season began on March 9th in Melbourne and ended uh, on October 26th in Jerez, uh, totaling 17 Grand Prix races. And then his second season with McLaren, David Coulthard scored his second career Grand Prix victory, first with McLaren in the season opening race at Melbourne in Australia. Uh, Jacques Villeneuve then went back-to-back wins in Interlagos and Buenos Aires on March 30th and April 13th, driving a Williams machine. Race four of the season took place at Imola. Williams teammate Heinz Harold Fritzman uh, scored the victory in his first uh, ever Grand Prix win. I believe he went on to win three. Three or four. I forget which one it was, but he he, he won a few more. Uh, the Monaco Grand Prix was the fifth race of 1997. It was won by Michael Schumacher and Ferrari. Uh, the sixth race... Was the Spanish Grand Prix at Catalonia? Uh, Jacques Villeneuve won that one as well. Then Michael Schumacher went back to back. First at Montreal, second at Magny Cours in France uh, for races seven and eight. Williams and uh, Villeneuve won ninth in the halfway race of the season at Silverstone. Race 10 was at Hockenheim. Gerhard Berger scored uh, the win, and it was his 10th and final career Grand Prix victory. He had missed the previous three races at Montreal, Miami Corps, and Silverstone, and he missed those due to an illness and then the death of his father. Uh, and he would retire at the end of the 97 season as well. Still finished in, like, the top 10, too. Even though he missed uh, three races, he still finished in the top 10. Of course, the point scoring was a little bit different back then, but still, top 10, missing three races, 17 races. Uh, in, in an era where basically everyone was running the full season top teams. That's pretty good. Uh, Villeneuve got the win then again in race 12 in the Hangora Ring. David Coulthard won at Monza. Races 14 and 15 were won by Villeneuve. And he, that was in uh, Spielberg, uh, Austria, now today the, the Red Bull Ring, and then uh, the Nürburgring. The 16th and penultimate race of the season was at Su- Suzuka. That was won by Michael Schumacher. And then the season finale was the European Grand Prix at Jerez. Uh, the race was made famous by the contact between Villeneuve and Schumacher. Villeneuve dived into the corner, and Schumacher turned into Villeneuve's side pod. And uh, it was a daring move. It was a bold move. It might have been a dumb move by Villeneuve. But Schumacher appeared to turn right, then hesitate, turn left to avoid him, then turn right again. Into uh, into Villeneuve. Again, I'm not a fan of that. It's one of the reasons I'm not a huge Michael Schumacher fan. Oh, he was just mad because he thought lowly of IndyCar and IndyCar racing, and he was mad because yep. he was about to lose the championship to an IndyCar champion and an IndyCar, Indy 500 winner. <laughs> yep. yep, absolutely, absolutely. But, hey, Michael, you shot yourself from the foot. Maybe you could have got a championship for Ferrari a little sooner than you did. Because you beached their your car and uh, you were done for the day. You got the guy in front of you, the track worker, saying, hey, "Your wheel spinning, buddy. You ain't moving." Now Villeneuve would retire from that race, uh, but he came in as the points leader. And with your only competition also being out, yeah, you're the champion. 
He won. Villeny won the 97 championship, scoring 81 points and only won by three over Schumacher. Third place was uh, Villeneuve's teammate, Heinz Harold, and he only had 42 points. So, shows you kind of oh, how... Heinz Harold Frentzen won races, and that's yeah. what matters. Because yes. I just love saying Heinz Harold Frentzen. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Very, very fun name to say. So, that was a snippet there, 97 Formula One World Championship. Jacques Villeneuve, the champion. Sticking it to Schumacher and, uh, you know, delaying him and Ferrari's fruition of championships just a little while longer. All right, Josh, thanks so much for sharing that with us. I always love talking about old racing seasons and sharing highlights and even, you know, maybe dropping some facts that some of our listeners might not know. Uh, that's always fun to do. So uh, let's take a look at what's in the windshield coming up. Uh, we've got the uh, Formula E is off for another month until a double hitter in Indonesia. Uh, so that'll be in on June 3rd and 4th. Uh, we've got uh, supercars coming up at my favorite track, Simmons Plains in Tasmania, May 20th through 21st. Can't wait for that. Formula One will take a weekend off. Uh, before going back-to-back weight race weekends at Imola and Monaco. And then IndyCar will open the month of May this weekend. And hey, I just picked up my credential and parking pass today. So, I'll be there. Uh, IndyCar opens the month of May at Indianapolis Motor Speedway with the GMR Grand Prix this Saturday. This Saturday. Remember, the race is on Saturday. The IndyCar Grand Prix has always been on Saturday since its inception. Do not forget this. Do not tune in on Sunday and be like, where's the race? You will probably get an IMSA race or be reminded that there's some kind of usfl game on i don't know what they got that day um and then nascar throwback weekend it's throw it we're throwing it back this weekend in nascar craftsman truck series racing at darlington on friday xfinity on saturday cup series on sunday we'll talk about a lot of the feet uh probably we'll talk about a lot of the throwback paint schemes next week's show yeah don't don't forget like this is our this is our yearly thing we're gonna like i don't know how many we're gonna do we're gonna at least do at least five of our favorite. Maybe we'll be the, do the top three from each series. That's what we'll do. Maybe the top okay. three from each series, we're going to share our favorites because there are some good ones this year, uh, for sure. I already know what I think my favorite truck one is going to be, for sure. Well, all right. Uh, sounds good. We are going to wrap things up now because this is one of our longer shows, but we had a lot of discussion to give. So, uh, real quick before we leave, thank you again so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, we've, we're available on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify. You can find us on Google Podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. We're on Amazon Music. If you're So you could tell your Alexa, play Robin Roller. It'll happen. They'll do it. Uh, you could say, you know, you could do all that. So uh, be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media if you haven't already. Uh, the Twitter handle is at Robin Roller, spelled just as it sounds, R-O-B-A-N-D-R-O-L-L-E-R. Uh, I can be found at rpeters33, R-P-E-E-T-E-R-S-33. And Josh can be found at roller underscore zero one, R-O-L-L-E-R underscore zero one. And then uh, use the hashtag Robin Roller to let us know how you sh- how you shift on the upshift downshift questions. And uh, be sure to participate in the Spotify question of the week if you are a Spotify subscriber. Thank you again so much, everybody, for listening. We hope you have a wonderful wonderful week enjoy the month of may continue to enjoy the month of may there's a lot of great racing coming up and uh enjoy enjoy all of it so for josh roller i'm rob peters and this has been the racing with robin roller podcast have a great week everybody